Hello everyone, and welcome back to Echoes of the Undercity, the postmortem sla for Saprophyte slash Arc 1 slash Season 1 slash whatever you want to call it. Campaign 1. Campaign 1. Chapter 1, if you are fancy. Book 1. Bo- book 1. <laughs> well, book in one, any case... Sorry. <laughs> in any case... Uh, Earth. In any case, no. I was your GM Rio, and my pronouns are she, her, and... Oh uh, yeah, that was a was a doozy, wasn't it? Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Uh, hi everyone. My name is Martina. My pronouns are she/her, and I played the Alfred Cleaver slash Angel uh, Frost on Silver Mirror. Hello everyone. My name is Dylan. My pronouns are he/him, and I played the um, wonderful Red Queen Amber of Sun. <laughs> That one doesn't flow as well. Hello, I'm Joe. My pronouns are she, her, and I played read slash just read. She's still just read. Ooh. Nothing changed, really. We love you, read. Except dimensions. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and I was also a human. There you go. And a junk mage. And a junk mage! God damn it! I was a human junk mage read! <laughs> this episode is so messy. And today we are gathered to talk about everything and anything saprophyte. We are gathered here so- to mi- today to mourn the loss and passing. So <laughs> saprophyte. Yeah. Before we jump into it, I just want to say one thing. So... Because this episode's gonna be extremely long, I am gonna cut out a bunch of stuff, like, if someone answers a question, but it's not really that interesting, and we all agree, I'm gonna cut it out. However, on our Patreon, we're gonna upload a version that is very minimally edited. By minimally edited, I mean everyone's answers are just gonna be, are gonna be kept. I'm just gonna cut out the ums and the uhs and the pauses and the breaks. You're gonna leave in all the messy intros. If you're- Oh god, no! This is the third <laughs> intro where we're doing- If you're like a super fan and stuff, you can go to our, our Patreon. You better be a super fan. If you're on our Patreon, you will be able to listen to us ramble about the mushroom arc for as long as you want. <laughs> or as long as the episode is. You can't listen to it for longer than that's gonna end. There's a replay point. button, Rio. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Okay, but that doesn't... I mean, that's... So if you're everyone. a super fan... <laughs> you can also join the Discord and listen to us ramble about it there. Okay, whatever... <laughs> So if you're a super fan, you can go to our Patreon, you can get the full, full, full director's cut. Just kidding, the director's cut is the cut that's going to be public, because I'm the director. The director's cut, not on the Patreon, you can listen to that. Anyway, now... Now that we're 15 minutes into our recording... Yep, we're going to start the postmortem with section state first phase stage phase one. one section one questions from the audience from look aside question number one at what point would you say you clicked with your character moments you were really proud of with them and then there's a third question but we'll get to that so let's start i guess the order of introductions oh god silver well uh, you can very clearly hear in the actual show the moment that I clicked with my character. It's called episode eight. Oh, you checked? <laughs> I, that's my favorite episode. <laughs> I, I know that, the number of that episode in my brain. Uh, it's the one where I had a horrible sensory overloading Goren, and I had derailed the entire plot for several episodes <laughs> to deal with that. And I think that is one of the most, I'm most proud of that moment um, I think in the entirety of the show, 
like I'm just really really happy with uh, the tail end of episode seven and the episode eight. I feel like it it was important to me to um, be able to bring something that I struggle with quite a lot, which is sensory overload, specifically auditory sensory overload, to my character and to get to like experience that through the medium of roleplay. I feel like it was really fun and it really uh, helped a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah, that's pretty much my answer. That was actually really interesting to talk about um in our own server to talk about like how you connected with Silver because it was like really awesome. That's another thing I want to talk about later is our own server and how that made it kind of weird and fun to talk about, but whatever. We'll get there. I think the moment that it really clicked with me and Amber that I like knew how the character was going to work. I knew how like generally how it got it was going to work out and like what I was going to do. But the re- moment I felt like it was going and happening was um when Amber first went into Gorin and started doing all this shit without thinking and Silver mm-hmm. very clearly was reacting negatively to that. That was the moment I was like, okay, I feel this character. I'm going to be able to get into character for the rest of the arc. And then the moments I would say I'm most proud of are probably uh, Machines of Dust, those episodes. Specifically, both the episode where um, Amber approaches the obelisk, and then also, probably more, the episode right after where he starts telling everyone, like, oh, this is pointless, like, I don't need you, technically, and... Those things were all true and things Amber had been thinking the whole time and never really apologized for. So that was definitely an interesting character moment and I didn't expect it to slide. And yeah, that was the moments I was most proud of, at least. And I was also proud of a lot of the character interactions that I had with Amber. Oh boy, okay. Um, I definitely, I can't say that there was one single moment that I felt like I clicked with Reed. There was definitely multiple. But first moment I remember is, uh, I think it was like episode five or something. Just the first five episodes, very early on, where I had to, Amber's gun had broken and I was fixing it. I decided to fix it because I had just gotten, me, Joe, had just gotten a fancy new ability that I could have done it with. But also, it's not like it was out of character for Reed to do that. And we were sitting around for a while and eventually, after I fixed it, Amber just either said like a very sincere, nice, just thank you or something else that just something that was conveying the feeling of, like, appreciation and, like, thanks for being here or whatever. I don't know. And I think that was the moment that I was like, oh, maybe Reed has some very deep-rooted things in her of, like, feeling needed and, like, the lore that I came up with, had had already come up with and later came up with, sort of supported this idea that her life just consists of her just, like, going from group to group and, like, bonding with them or whatever you want to call it and just moving on and having them also, at least that's what Reed assumes, having them move on as just a natural part of life. And maybe that, I don't, you know, who knows? I don't even 100% know if that's how Reed started out, if that's, well, if that's how she wanted her life to go, but... That's how it ended up, and there's some extremely deep issues that would not get 
would absolutely never get brought up, even if we continued this arc for another 60 episodes. But that moment sort of made me think, like, oh, maybe, like, Reed was, like, surprised that Amber genuinely showed an appreciation and stuff. And something like that. I wish I had fucking thought about this before I started talking so I had a better, a more articulate way of phrasing what I mean. It's fine. It's fine, it's fine. Another moment, and this is just sort of gonna tie in with moments you were really proud of with them. So when Baldry started destroying Gorin and talked to us about this whole thing of, I am Gorin, there. That sort of put Reed in serious mode because now, now she had to be the serious one because Amber was being weird and Silver is not reliable. So <laughs> thanks. No, no, don't Sorry. worry. No, that's hilarious. No, that, that's hilarious. You're right. I think I was also like getting burnt to a crisp at that point, oh, so boy. I was just di- distracted yeah. by pain. But yes, and also. Amelia had just turned out to never have been a person uh-huh. or anything at all. I suppose there's no way to know how exactly those entities, creatures, or whatever they were worked, you know, in the people in Gorin that turned out to be Baldry. You know, we can never know how much of their consciousness was their consciousness, you know? It's a sort of similar thing of, like, how intelligent can AI be until they're no just they're just, just intelligence, people. you know? Yeah. So it's that sort of thing. But for Reed, you know, there's no way for her to know. So as far as she's concerned, for for one, Amelia's now dead or gonna be because Gorin's burning up. And two, she was never basically her friend or anything in the first place. And that that was just another thing of her. It is something she expects, but it nevertheless is still gonna hurt when she loses people. And it just, it, it just adds to her, like, yeah, what did I expect? I am gonna keep losing people. They're never gonna stick around, whether that's by choice or clearly not by choice. And then I put Reed and I decided to put Reed in serious mode because A, all the fire and stuff, that was gonna escalate the Sixer situation so much more so she couldn't be fooling around and fucking around for any longer. And B, there was no one else to step step up to be in that leader role, so she had to do it. Basically, further after that, any time I was able to naturally put her from her, you know, fun mode, which isn't like it's not like she's suddenly now stupid and childish, and it it to for the the transition to be natural and not like weird and out of place. I think those moments I liked. Um, so, again, the, it's the thing of, like, I can't pinpoint, like, this, 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 or, like, this is the number one favorite part. But that's sort of, mm-hmm. I really liked. Mm. So, once I escalated Reed from just being a funny goofball comic relief character, which I, she never was for me, but, you know, it's like... That's how she came across often. Who yeah. Ca- like, yeah, like, who cares what's going on in my head? What matters is what's actually recorded and what's in text. Text being a metaphor, not actual literal text. So yeah, that's sort of when I felt like Reed has come to be, <laughs> at least in recording. Very long answer, but there you go. <laughs> and the third part of the question was, for the GM, any scenes you're particularly proud of? I really liked the final battle. I mean, yeah. 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 
Like, that was good. Fair enough. Me too. I just didn't want to be the person that's like, my favorite scene was when I defeated God. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, a good scene, def- though. You didn't defeat God. You defeated, uh, it was like, you defeated a priest of a god. Fine. Sure. I mean, I haven't punched a priest in the face in real life, so I guess you <laughs> what I have as a person. Yeah, we and don't really have a reference. I mean, it was still, still fucking, was it cool? Whatever it was you killed, it was, uh, it was in a cool way. I, I wouldn't have, uh, made an ice tower and pushed them off to shatter them. Like, that's not something I would have thought of, but that was, yeah, that, it worked. Uh, anyway, if we're not talking the final battle, probably the last part of when you got to Gorin, like, when you confronted Baldry and when the town burned down. Mm-hmm. Those parts I liked yeah. a lot. Very good. All very good stuff. I was very much in it when we recorded those. Like there was, there were things happening. Shit was going down. You were, you had gotten the information. You were like, you were proceeding, kind of rocked. And I guess I also, I mean, that was like a collaborative thing. But I really liked the little epilogues that we played out with the yeah. characters. Oh, yeah. I think oh those they were, were yes, so much those absolutely. I think I really like the way each character ended up, <laughs> but we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll we will. We will. We will. Next question. Red Fox asked, what about the heart made you pick this out of so many RPGs to make a podcast about? And this is probably just a question about Fort Rio, because uh, Rio's the one that had the idea for it. Somewhat. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to make a podcast, and I really wanted to play heart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but, like, I think the thing that, I mean, I guess the reason I picked, like, Heart was the game that I was like, this feels like it would be a really cool podcast. And it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think what Heart does that I, that made made it, like, pop out to me a lot was it has the, um, beats. I think the beats are very fun. I like Fallouts as a concept. I think they are... A lot of them are sim- very similar to, uh, like, how hard moves work in Powered by Apocalypse games, but I feel like they're a bit more concrete. And that helps for me, because I feel like hard moves in Powered by Apocalypse games generally tend to feel a bit too abstract, and I feel like they're more solidified mm-hmm. in the fallouts, and I think that made the system really attractive for me to run. They've got teeth. Yeah. And I also really, really think it's fun most characters uh like the end goal of them is to die or change (laughs) so much that you can't continue playing them and i think like if that's through a critical fallout or if it's through one of your senith beats or senith abilities doesn't really matter the point is that it just like that's a logical end goal for your character compare that to most other stories where usually you end up like, sure, characters might die in other stories, but generally they'll end up living happily ever after somehow. Uh, and I feel like Heart isn't really built for that, and I thought that would be an interesting uh, angle on Tabletop Podcast. And also, I feel like it's it's more suited for shorter campaigns like this, uh, yeah. unlike something like D&D, which has levels from 1 to 20, or something like some other game where you play over many, many, many sessions. And I think... For me personally, I have a really hard time following podcasts when there's like a hundred episodes. I just kind of mm-hmm. sh- start to check sh- sh- out around thirty, unless I've caught up, like been listening from the start. And I like I like backlogs, but sometimes it's too much. 
so I felt like heart would not really cause that problem because we can make several pretty short arcs and also and they're about 30 episodes long yeah and (laughs) that also means that i don't get gm burnout which and also it means we get to play a bunch of different characters which is just a really really fun for me yeah same here it's great so yeah i guess that's why heart was the thing that i that we ended up doing the podcast about. That and just it being a sick system. Yeah. It is such a good game, you guys. The reason yeah. the reason the reason why I was like, I want to be part of this podcast was because Rio had written about uh like something about fallouts like in a Discord server and I was just like, This is the coolest thing ever. I wanna play this and then a few months mm-hmm. later she was like, You wanna make a podcast? And I was like, Fuck yeah <laughs> I <laughs> remember though That's we talked literally... about this game. It's so cool! Let's That's do it! That's literally what happened with me, too. <laughs> yeah. I basically didn't know anything about this game, but Rio was like, you want to make a podcast? And I liked Rio, and I <laughs> wanted to make a podcast yeah. for a while. <laughs> so I was like, I don't care what it's about! Yes! <laughs> I just wanted to play tabletop games with my friends. I had no prior podcast aspirations. Yeah, and... Now I'm in love with Heart. I think all of the, I think the fallouts are so cool. (laughs) I think I really love how, sorry for just also answering this question, I guess, but. Well, we're all um, allowed to answer the question. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's only for, actually, it didn't even specify for the question. It's for everyone. (laughs) It's literally for everyone. (laughs) But now, I think I just love how, like, specific all the things about it is mm-hmm. heart is such a specific setting world you know and the fallouts and the beats and everything in a way they're both specific and also still vague enough for you to be able to make it your own yes. mm-hmm. and it's all just so wonderful and you can like literally for example deja vu it <laughs> deja vu is such a perfect example of what i'm talking about because it was like one fallout that <laughs> <laughs> gave us so much plot for so long it was just like six naturally yeah. we were not so forcing it we were not stretching it we were not trying to milk it it just happened and it was wonderful and fallouts were just driving the plot and the beats as well it's it's just so cool it's it just is. so fun Yeah, for me one of the most appealing aspects of heart is the horror element as soon as I found out it was, like, a horror tabletop RPG, I was like, yes, I need to play that and find out <laughs> if I like it. And this is a group that is doing that, and I want to make a podcast, too. So, like, hey, why not? Mm-hmm. Then we played it. It was fucking awesome. We did, like, a little quick start beforehand. Yeah. There are still some things that we all remember from that that were- I don't. I have horrible memory. I don't remember anything from it. Do you not remember the man-sized moth? I remember being a little sad that not everything gets to be heard by everyone, because it's kind of awesome. Okay, that was a lie, Martina. I do remember one thing that is man-sized moth slash moth-sized man. (laughs) But also, I have- but also, no. I did end up running the same campaign with a different group, so oh. that just sort of, I guess, oh, refreshed okay. some of my memories. So, as a like, I think a fun bonus thing: if I were to make a podcast and not make it hard, and still make it a tabletop RPG, D and D, let's go! No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Ryotama. I'm kidding. No, I think I would want to make a Lancer podcast. Actually, I think it would be Ooh. very hard to listen to and keep track of because it's very, like 
A lot of it is tactical combat on a grid. But also, I think Lancer as a setting would, you would be able to like, like, because it's like this futuristic thing, I think it would, you could almost make it like an in-universe podcast as well. And do like a bunch of fun stuff with, with that, like... I draw the hell out of the Lancer setting. Holy shit, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of mechs and people doing cool mech yeah. things. I, think I love drawing robots. Haven't gotten yeah. to do that yet because mushrooms, but I love drawing robots. Anyway. Uh-huh. Well, you love yeah. drawing mushrooms too, so... Accurate. It's kind of a win, <laughs> no matter what. Okay, well, let's move on to the next question, which is from Twilight Trinity, who asked... Are there ideas you had for your character backstories that didn't end up getting seen, or anything that in retrospect you would change? And then, again, there's another part to it, but we'll get to that. Yeah, okay, well, famously, at least famously in our Discord server, I had no backstory planned for Silver, because I made him... We started recording this podcast uh, two days after my last final, and I made uh, Silver in uh, a, a, a like feud state after handing in uh, my final criminology report at like 10 p.m. And I was just like, uh, tired boy. <laughs> and that was what I had. But I feel like it still worked out. Like, I'm a person who likes to write a lot of, like, just like put a bunch of throw a bunch of things at the wall and then pick them back up later when I feel like, oh, that could actually be connected to this. And, like, that's how a bunch of Silver's background came across. I think if anything in retrospect that I would change, uh, I would definitely... I I had a pretty clear idea of... Like, essentially, like, Silver was a person who had left the city above a long, long, long time ago. And he probably had very little memory of what it was actually like to live in the city above. And uh, something that I was thinking about including was that he would have this really, essentially, like, nostalgic and very glorified memory of what it was like up there. Just because he suffered so tremendously when he got to the heart and it was just not a good time for him. Uh, and if I were to, like, write the character again or something, I'd probably play more into that, because I think that's really interesting. And I think it would have been really fun to uh, gel that with uh, Amber, who had just left the, the city above and who would, like, had, like, left it because he fucking hated it there. So that's probably something that I would have... If I if I ever, like... If I would have done the character again, I might have put more thoughts into that and played more into that. That's actually really interesting, because I had no idea that you used to live in the Spire, which makes oh, really? that all three of us used to live in the yeah. Spire and then left I think I mentioned, it, I mentioned it a few times in the beginning of the show, but that was a while ago. There was like a thing where, yeah. where Silver, the Deja Vu thing, made Silver see uh, one of his teachers from the Spire, yeah. who, who he hated and so shit like that. Like There were just small things that I had planned to go, go get more into, but then... Uh, other things happen, and I got into those instead. <laughs> like, yep. pain. <laughs> and Dolan? Uh, well, I tried to keep it to exactly what I needed backstory-wise for Amber. I didn't want to do anything extra that I might not end up using, and I think that mostly worked. There was, like, one idea I had in my head that I never really got across that is incredibly minor, but I did want to bring up more about the reasons why Amber left the Spire, it was both, I, I know I've told everyone else in the podcast this, but it was a combination of just hating the way things work in the Spire and how you get used for everything that is useful about you and then no appreciation or gratitude beyond that. 
And the only way to stay, like, in an important role is to continue to show that you can be useful. Hmm. Okay. Well, there definitely was a backstory that I thought of that never got- only just got sort of implied or, like, alluded to, more like. Which is that Reed did- uh, she was born and sort of grew up in the Spire- she just had, like, a normal life up until she was around 16 or just something teen in her later teen years. And the reason why she left the heart, she left to go to the heart and stuff is because she started being very interested in plant magic and dark magic in school, when she was in school. And she got expelled because of it. So not a very dark backstory, uh, but I think I like it. Uh, she got expelled because she was experimenting with too much plant slash plant dark magic. and No botany in this school. No botany in this school. And I think she just sort of assumed that, like, she was very much like an angsty teen. She was very, like, edgy and angsty and she thought, Nah, my parents don't want me. And she just ran away to the heart. Uh, <laughs> she never to look back. That's a lie. She did look back, but, like, very little. It has mm. been many, many years since then. She's, at this point, uh, like, around 50 years old. You know, whether that's 45 or 55 or fucking 60, that's anyone's guess. Including Reed's guess. But, um, yeah, at this point, it's been a long time, so she's not that person anymore, but... Because that was just something that she ex accepted as the truth and didn't really ever look back on. You know, there's no therapist in the heart, so that's just something that stayed there. As like, yeah, I ran away because they didn't want me, and then that just became her life. I don't know, there's Assuming... mind haunts. <laughs> Aren't those like- That is a good point. Not mind haunts, like bars, usually? I don't know if yeah. that's- uh... <laughs> yeah. Or like drugs and stuff, but yeah. It depends, there's different kinds of mind haunts, but oh okay. well. That's we only important. ever looked yeah. at one, and we didn't even use it, so whatever. No. Yeah, a type of mind haunt could be a circus, actually. <laughs> oh, interesting yeah. that you say that. <laughs> For no reason. Mind bend equipment could be a hug. Yeah. It can. Anything in retrospect that I would change? Oh, about the backstory? Not really, because I don't really write that much. I suppose during playing, like, sometimes I would I would do something that... If I thought about it a little bit more, I feel like at the moment where in the place Reed was at, emotionally and mentally, I don't mean physically, uh, the place Reed was at, I don't feel like she would do, but because I was <laughs> maybe trying to get a beat or something, I ended up doing, such as when I broke the... Later in the show, like, towards the end when we were trying to get the Echo Fallout uh, in the Echo Haunt, and I did the ice trick, and I broke the, broke the guy's thing. Like, yeah, she was excited to get rid of the Echo Fallout, but I don't know if she would have done that necessarily, honestly. Especially after, not after yelling at Silver so much for claiming that she does exactly these sorts of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I can count on, like, two or three times in the show where I might not have done those things if I was, like, writing a show instead of playing a game. But also, I'm playing a game. These things happen, you know? I'd like to also, on the uh, things which, like, you change in retrospect, I feel like I have some things that pop to mind for me. Like, I kind of forgot 
about the whole mushroom plot between like <laughs> giving the machines and when you got to to four like every like oh my god like I feel like I I was so interested in what y'all were up to that I kind of forgot that that was also a situation that was going on. <laughs> Not and, like literally forgot. But yeah, like, like forgot I, to put it in. Yeah, so. like it it f- very much fell into the back of my mind. Where it, and that's like a thing that I think is a challenge as a GM is you have a lot of things in the back of your mind that you might not think to express to your players. And I feel like if I were to change something in retrospect, it would be pushing more of those images forth with regards to the mushroom situation. Because, and not not like, like every session I go... And there's mushrooms everywhere and they're killing people because that would get, like, it would get really boring. But like, especially after the pulse when there was supposed to be more mushrooms, I feel like I kind of forgot to describe, like, when you got to the red market, like, the whole place was basically untouched, which, which is not what I wanted. Like, it didn't feel like the mushrooms had gotten there at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would have definitely wanted there to be more, like, people are affected here too, because this was a thing that literally affected the whole heart. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess that's like that's a thing that I've been thinking a lot since I guess we left Briar in uh, Nothing Happens, whichever episode number that is. Twenty <laughs> three. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, twenty something. But yeah, twenty something. And I was like, that was yeah, not the image I wanted to convey. And I feel like I could have done a better job. I forgot to mention this, but one thing I would change about what I did throughout the podcast, I would say, is I would have brought up the things that Amber did, like, obsessively, like, the little character details, like, when he was checking his bag, like, three or four times to make sure everything was there. There were times where it's like, I was gonna mention it, and then, or I realized I was, it was a good time to mention it, like, two minutes after it happened, so I was just like, well, I guess that's not a character detail that's happening anymore. So Yes, thank you for reminding me. One thing that I kept forgetting to do is mention Professor more often because I wanted to constantly mention, like, oh, when, whenever we're sat down for a break or, like, during between delves or whatever, like, to let him more and more... Po- like, I didn't need... I'm not saying I wanted to dwell on it or something, but just mention randomly, like, yeah, I'm. you can see me pouring some fish food inside my coat pocket or something. I don't know. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Or stuff like that. Just simple little stuff like that where you're just reminded that he's in existence and Reed cares about him. But I, for- I kept forgetting to do that because... Yeah. Speaking of Professor, any backstory for Mossy slash the Professor? So, for Professor, I guess I'll just say, and then we'll move on to Silver, Martina, Mossy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Names. My idea for the Professor was that she got him initially because she was like, aha, an interesting fish I can experiment on. But for a while, she didn't have any good enough reason to, like, sort of, like, waste the professor, because it was such a cool fish that she was like, no, if I'm going to do an experiment with him, I need it to be good mm. and, you know, cool and proper and with other very cool ingredients and stuff. And that just for a while didn't come up until she kind of got used to having the professor around. And she, eventually she was like making excuses for like, no, this isn't a good enough reason to kill the professor. And eventually she just accepted it that... <laughs> and then we found one. Oh, right. 
Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, no, for sure. God, yeah. Jesus, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I did not even think of uh-huh. that. Yeah. But yeah, eventually the professor just sort of, she accepted that he's just her pet now. Or not really pet. I call it pet. But she wouldn't. She would just call it friend or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. He's just a little guy that hangs around. Just he's a little guy. He's a little dude. <laughs> He's a little that, birthday that boy. You want to hear a little he's guy a little on his birthday? <laughs> you want to melt a little guy on his birthday on an altar to steal God's powers? Yeah. <sighs> Anyhow. I would. I mean, I literally did, so. Yeah. And Reed is my biggest inspiration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, for the record, if, if beating Sixer had uh, meant I would have to kill Mossy, uh, Sixer wouldn't be dead. Damn. <laughs> Sixer never died, so don't well, worry about it. Okay, God's we'll never, never die. Yeah. So what about Mossy? Well, I mean, Mossy's introduction to Silver happened in the uh, actual show, but also, like, yeah, I didn't really have a deep thought of like, oh, why should I get why 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 is this big bug thing now uh, gonna be an integral part of Silver's arc? It was actually mainly just because uh, I made Silver in a fugue state, and yeah. then I didn't really think through. As much as I really, really, really like the concept I went with with Silver, and I feel like it went really well and I really like Silver, I didn't really properly check to make sure that like the heart song beats and everything would be good for a character that's deathly afraid of the heart, which they very much are not. Which honestly, I super disagree. I think they're super uh-huh. great for a character that's deathly afraid okay, of the well, heart. Okay, well, yeah, because... but like... Well, clearly, yeah, evidently. Okay, yeah, but I had to do a lot of thinking and a lot of twisting of the a lot of the beats Mm -hmm. that I picked to make sure that they would actually work for Silver. Like, and it ended up being that uh, a lot of the beats that I picked were really essentially something that had to happen to me and not really something I could work towards. Like, instead of like having it, oh, I will just work towards this beat that says "destroy a haven, let the heart in." Uh, I would have to like hope that I would be pre- placed in a in a situation where I had to make that choice. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a lot of what happened with that. Anyway, my point was that the reason why Mossy really became a thing was because I was looking at the major beats and I was like, none of these fit Silver at all because mm-hmm. they were all like create uh, uh, ha- have a um, deepen your bond with the heart, do a ritual to bring the heart into existence uh, damage a bond by your obsession with the heart and I was like, this isn't this isn't gonna work and then we, we me and Rio were talking in DMs and we were like, wait, okay, but if we give you a pet character you'll basically you, you, we can capitalize on the ranger energy and I was like, oh shit, you're right I'm gonna pick the one that lets me adopt a heart's blood beast <laughs> also, it just works really well with the ability that you get when you're a cleaver, which is like the bloodbound beast thing. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. let me fight with Mossy, which is really cool. I feel like that's pretty much what ended up saving Mossy from being forgotten in the way that, like, because I was still always thinking about Mossy because Mossy was like one of my abilities as well as just uh, an animal companion. Yeah. So I feel like that that helped a lot with that. Next question is, what's everyone's previous TTRPG history like? How has podcasting affected your experience? So let's just start with Rio. I started playing tabletops for like 
uh, oh fuck, ten years ago now. Oh God! Oh, Jesus. God. Damn. Wow. Jesus. Way to celebrate your ten year anniversary by starting a podcast. Yeah. No, right. it was like now it's about the ten year anniversary. Okay. Well. Oh, okay. This is so, how we're so celebrating we're, then. Yeah, this is how we're celebrating. Is I get to talk about that was was ten years ago, and I'm reminded by the passage of time every day, and <laughs> we're all gonna. Anyway, that's fun to remember uh, as a celebration. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. For uh, I started playing Pathfinder uh, with some buds from school because one of them had gotten up the Pathfinder base box, and then we sat down and played that, and nobody understood anything because nobody spoke English that well. And oh my God. I, yeah. like <laughs> the guy who had the rule book, uh, who insisted that basically, like, no, I'm the one who's gonna read it. And we just basically stumbled our way through, like, with awful interpretations of how things were supposed to be played. And we we sat behind a wall and just threw rocks at Dragon until it died, and that was pretty fun. <laughs> but yeah, and then I basically kept playing tabletop RPGs ever since. And I feel like the way podcasting has changed the experience for me is there are so many things where I'm like, if I'm just sitting down and just playing with my friends, they're, they're like, I don't really care if things drag on for too long as long as everyone has is having, like, having a good time in the same way that I feel like, oh shit, we're just, like, this is gonna be garbage to listen to. Or, like, I, I feel like I want a faster pace in a podcast uh, because I want something to happen every episode. And when I'm just playing with friends, I'm like more like, I'm just literally here to sit down with my friends and goof off for three hours. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically been my experience is podcasting uh, is fun, but it's like, like I play in a very different way than I would if I'm just playing normally with my friend group. Yeah. Uh, I think okay. So my TTRPG uh, history, I tried. I, I've been I've been really interested in like the concept of role playing pretty much all my life. I'm a person who really likes to write, and I really like being creative. And I just thought it sounded really cool. For most of my like childhood, uh, I didn't really have people to play with. My my dad DM'd like one session for the family once, and I was like hooked, but he had to work, so <laughs> it didn't end up give, do, like, becoming anything because he's a person who had actual responsibilities, and I was like 12. So I didn't really get into it properly into high school when I met some people who I could actually play with, and we've played a bunch of different games, and it, it's I've really started to love the medium and what you can do with it, and I just I think it's really, really cool and fun, and it allows me to flex a lot of my skills, not only in like making art and in writing and in just developing how how I express myself and how I think, and I think you can learn a lot from it. So I think it's really cool. I'm definitely. I feel like I've gotten more. Uh, I don't know if this is a podcasting thing or if it's just that I changed groups to this group, which is more geared towards uh, inter-character relationships mm-hmm. and dynamics and play. But I feel like I've gotten a lot better at consistently staying in character and thinking about things uh, from the perspective of my character just throughout mm-hmm. this, which has been really interesting. I've also talked a lot about this with this group and also I think on Discord a few times that I am a person who when I get into um my when I get into character which is a lot of a lot of the echoes like a lot of episodes where I was just fully immersed in the character of Silver uh, I pretty much like completely stop thinking as myself and it gets to the point where I do some really funny shit sometimes where I'm just like I will say things in character that I 
as a person with the meta perspective of this is a game that we are playing would never ever say because it makes no sense like i would like be convinced that the entire group should leave without go on without me uh and i'm like wait hang on i'm in a, a game with people that's not how this works like you can't do that mm-hmm. um but i feel I mean, that yeah. is a thing that like i i've gotten better at quote-unquote controlling that and also just like in general like being able to always stay in character and being able to think of things through my character's perspective without going full hulk mode and just entering the character mode and not thinking like myself Mm-hmm. Hulk mode. I love that comparison. I don't fucking know. Um, my experience with tabletop RPGs has been uh rocky to say the least. For one, it's only been D and D, so red flag number one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, in, wow. but in all seriousness, I do love D and D. I like a lot of little int- intricacies of it. I like the unique ways the system work. And I love throwing the rules out the fucking window because that's honestly one of the best parts of playing it with your friends. But consistently, every group I've been in has ended in disaster for whatever reason. And so at some point I was like, is it me? I can't tell at this point because (laughs) it, it just always ends bad. It always ended bad. Oh no, that's just that's just how it is. I know. I I I realized that eventually. But eventually I like was like, okay. I'll pursue this interest on my own for a little while. I bought some of the books. I like did a little reading on some of the lore and watched YouTube videos on it. And I was like, yeah, this is fun. Um, so that's part of how I got into Trials and Trebuchets, d and uh, d podcast, which is how we all met each other and started yep. this podcast. And so, yep. yeah, this is probably my first ever consistent group that I play with. So... I can't really yeah. say how podcasting has affected my T- TTRPG experience other than it's been great <laughs> because I actually have <laughs> a group to play with. Mm-hmm. It has been really great. For me, I started, okay, my TTRPG history started approximately five or six years ago, but only by technicality. I had one session and then I uh, I had a second session a year later. Oh. And then I actually got into RPGs another year later in university when somebody started a TTRPG club, which at the time was just a D&D club. Mm. I mean, it still kind of is, but we've renamed it at this point. And I, I joined the club and I was one of the first DMs and I was so bad because it was my first time ever DMing and like properly playing because I had had two sessions ever before. But I was like, you know what? If I want to actually learn how to play this goddamn game, I'm just going to throw myself into it. And I was so bad. My first ever session, I didn't even know how combat worked. I was like, (laughs) uh, I'll just roll these dice, I guess. But luckily, there was a person with us who knew the game and the rules. I was very... I was... (laughs) But magically, we actually played that campaign and concluded that campaign eventually. It was wonderful. The club is still ongoing. We still, I'm still in a game in that club. And for a while though, I didn't, uh, similarly to a lot of people, <laughs> I didn't really play anything other than D&D because when I started my TTRPG history, I didn't know of any, I mean, I knew that there probably existed other games, but I just thought that it was D&D that everyone's playing. Because, you know, from media, that's what I knew about. And 
for a while, that's how what essentially I knew about until I didn't. <laughs> uh, honestly, Rhea was probably a big part of that because Rhea, I, I was like, wow, this person is shitting on D&D. <laughs> also, there's other games. <laughs> that's literally my I want to play them with D&D. Yeah, like. <laughs> Well, my experience is I live in a country where no one plays D&D because it's in English and we have our own games that are better, <laughs> that have ducks, have ducks in them. I mean, yeah. I feel like my experience has been most Swedes I know play D&D. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I've yeah, never made a, met a Swedish person who actually plays D&D. We all play the weird Swedish games. Yeah, anyway. I mean, there's a lot of Swedish <laughs> anyway. RPGs, but I feel like a lot of Swedes play D&D. At least in, like, people who are getting into the hobby now. Mm-hmm. Because it's exploded so much with all the TTRPG podcasts. Okay, that's true, yeah. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Who made the opening theme, and is it the podcast theme, or are there plans to have new music for different darks? Hello, it's me, the person who made the podcast <laughs> theme. Uh, Hello! Hi! What's Hi. your name? <laughs> I don't know, maybe you should listen. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, I, I made the podcast intro. We are planning on actually probably making some more music for the next upcoming arc. I don't know about the future, it really depends on the DM of the campaign and what they want. Um, but I am absolutely willing to make music for any of them. So that's why it's like, eh. I know it will probably be the main theme and that you will hear the same musical idea in each beginning of the podcast. In that sense, yes, it is a theme. But in another sense, no, it is not because it probably won't be the same for every arc we do. And I mean, even that is like, who knows what will happen in two years or something. You know. Exactly, yeah. What do you think is the scariest thing that has happened in the arc? Thinking about what happens in two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this... Okay, so... I don't know if I actually want to put this in the show. Uh, it's up to you guys. But uh, if we're talking uh, out of game, <laughs> do not have to go to the hospital in the middle of the fucking finale. Yeah. That was the oh scariest thing that happened in this arc. I agree. <laughs> Um, but if we're is there going to be talking... a point where we mention that later? Or Let, let's I, just so fucking talk about it in. right now. Yeah. I'm totally yeah. down. Okay, yeah, it's go. my medical history. I don't give a fuck. So basically, three weeks ago, as of this recording, or maybe it's four weeks even now, um, I got very it's... sick. I got tonsillitis, which, if you don't know, is basically serious throat inflammation, and it causes you a great deal of pain. In that you cannot eat food or drink food without paid medication. At least that was my experience. I went to an urgent care. They said, oh, you have tonsillitis. They did not test me for mono, which is what I ended up having. But we'll get to that. They tested me (laughs) for strep. I didn't have strep. So they were like, there's nothing we can do. We know it's viral. You're just going to have to go home and treat it by drinking water and taking care of yourself. Which is just awesome. Take long walks Uh, and stay happy. Definitely don't take long walks. I was too tired to do that. Um, (laughs) Oh my god. So I missed a week of podcasting because of that. And then I was right back on it because that was the point where my voice started working as normal again. And also I could actually focus on things. There was a good period of time where it was like, I'm literally laying in bed not thinking because I can't think. And so I slowly got better, but eventually it was like, I'm mostly better, but at nights I have fever and chills for no reason, and I'm also really tired, even though I don't have 
swollen tonsils anymore. So at that point, I was like, oh, it's probably mono, but I should go back to the doctor. So I go back to that same urgent care that, by the way, is a disaster. But I feel like I want to keep this a little bit brief. Uh, Mm -hmm. They said, oh, we'll take your blood test. We'll take all this stuff and we'll check up on you. And most of it came back normal. And they were like, the blood test will come back tomorrow. Or like in two days, we'll let you know what's up with it. And basically just keep taking care of yourself. That was a Saturday. We recorded the next day. I got a call in the middle of the podcast. My phone was on silent, so I ignored it. And I was like, it's probably not important. Hold on, hold on. It was not in the middle of the podcast. It was literally the finale. And we were literally about (laughs) to move on to doing, to recording the epilogue of Amber and Silver. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just wanted to say that. We were just wrapping up with Reed. At that point, my dad walks in. He's like, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. He knows I'm recording. And so he, like, leaves. And then my older sister comes up, which fucking never happens. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I was like, hold on, I need to talk to this person. And she was like, yeah, the urgent care called you and they want you to go to the ER immediately. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay. So I come back and I tell them. They're like, wait, does it have to happen now? And I'm like, I fucking guess it does. Because... (laughs) I don't know what's going on. And then we were like, okay, we can record this another time. Which, thank you, everyone. Um, Absolutely. Are you fucking yeah, kidding? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know, no, but Dylan, still. We're going to record without know, you. Or still. you have to stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so they said to look at my blood results. I look at them and it was like, my liver enzymes in specific were very high. It was like four times the maximum amount that is typically normal of people. And so I was like, oh, holy fuck, something's seriously wrong with me. I'm dying. (laughs) And so I got taken to the hospital. They did, ran some tests and they were like, yeah, you have mono. This is normal. (laughs) And then they sent me home. So that's, that's the fun reason that (laughs) our finale got split up into two parts. (laughs) The, the, the vibe in the, the Zoom call after Dylan left was fucking indescribable. It was just <laughs> it us was... sitting there going like, we were still, all of us were still reeling from recording the finale. We were just mourning Dylan already. <laughs> we were, we were just sitting like, there like, yep, what if he's, he's actually seriously hurt? But no one wanted to what say it What do we do with because... a podcast? Mm-hmm. What we, I guess we need to find a fourth player, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but like no one actually wanted to say that, like, actually vocalize that what if Dylan's actually hurt because like everyone knew that everyone was thinking it and it was just like why why say it like we all yeah, know exactly. so we just ended up playing Magic the Gathering I was looking at pictures of mushrooms online and doing mushroom quizzes on how much I knew about <laughs> mushrooms and it was just a time y'all and then I came I got back and I immediately was like I just have mono and everyone was like huh? <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> yeah we were all like okay Oh, nice. I mean, yeah. So I'm actually still sick with mono, by the way, because mono lasts for months. So don't catch mono, everyone. Now, having told that long but interesting story, I can actually think of another instance where it was scary, but not in the show. Hey, Martina, do you want to tell that story? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'll tell the story of how I died live on air. Um... (laughs) So basically, this happened. This show is cursed. (laughs) No, it's fine. It's a little cursed. Things happen on Sundays. So it was in episode five. 
uh, and this is actually, I think, I personally think this is hilarious. Uh, although I imagine that it's quite, um, might, might have been quite worrying for the other people. It was but very I think distressing. it's funny as hell. Basically, what ended up happening was, I'm pretty sure I was actually also like coming over a cold or something because I was drinking a lot of water during that recording session. Uh, what happened is that Joe is really funny. And as you were saying something about, I Citation think you were ordering Amber to go stay far away so you wouldn't pick up the. Oh the yeah, that smell was of what it was. The scent of yeah, 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 yeah. And it was really funny, and it happened at the same time as I was taking a drink of water. And what ended up happening was I ended up laughing, like I ended up having a laughing fit while I was drinking water, and uh, I started choking really, really badly on the water that I was drinking. Uh, and I, in the split second of me drinking, realizing, oh shit, I'm about to cough all over my room. I was like, I can't be coughing on my computer and my, uh, mic and like all my important uh, things when Mm -hmm. I'm drinking water. So I threw off my headset, hoping that it wouldn't like, for some reason I was worried about it picking up on the audio, which is hilarious because it's cutting as a thing. But I threw (laughs) off my headphones and I threw myself out of my desk chair and down onto the floor where I started to cough and I coughed for several minutes. No, I remember this. You told us afterwards, you were like, oh, I didn't want you guys to hear me coughing because then you'd worry about me. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I was really worried. Yeah. When I was down, like when I, when I was coughing up water, uh, I was really worried that it was picking up in the audio and that like people would start yelling at me and being like, "Hey, what's going on?" Because I would have to, you know, like that's just gonna stress me out even more. I didn't want to worry you guys because you couldn't do anything about it. So I was just like, "I'm just gonna cough until this is over, and then I'll go back up and tell them what happened." And then I put back on my headphones and I sit down and I'm like, okay, sorry about that, everyone. And y'all hadn't even noticed because apparently me taking I think up- I noticed yeah. like near the end of your coughing fit when you were standing up, I was like, oh, was Martina gone? Yeah, because we were in a dis- <laughs> So what mm-hmm. I, w- me and Amber were in character talking and I wasn't looking at Martina's camera. I, I heard her laughing and I saw her walk away from off screen. Mm-hmm. I was like- yeah, she's, I don't know, she's walking away off screen. I don't know, something. Yeah, you were like, yeah. eh. And then she comes back two minutes later. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys, I almost died there. I hope I hope I didn't annoy you guys from almost dying. We were like, you were dying? Excuse me? Yeah. And then, and then the fucking... So this was... So at the time, both me and Rio were editors. And both of us uh-huh. had to go through the experience of sitting there, hearing her audio of dying on the floor, coughing, and then just had to, like, cut it off. <laughs> I felt so... I, both me and Rio felt so bad when yeah. we were just like, well, gotta edit out the audio of what almost dying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can hear before... Um, Martina's voice is totally yes. normal, and then after, her voice is very hoarse. <laughs> because what happened was that this was, like I said, this was Silverhead runoff, and uh, Reed and Amber were coming to get him. So after, immediately after I had this coughing fit and ruined my voice, I had several scenes of having to talk to people and explain what had happened and my motivations were running off and my insecurities about not being able to protect Amber after he paid me to protect him and like and it's so bad you can hear it on the on the audio it's so funny 
But yeah, no, that was a thing. Uh, I w- like I was just coughing a lot, so I wasn't actually in danger of dying and having any something in my throat. But right. It was but quite it's... a harrowing experience, and it happened very early on in the show. It was still scary. <laughs> so. so, does anyone have an actual answer to this question? I do. I actually had an actual answer in in mind for this, also, in addition awesome. to the one of Dylan almost dying. Episode. 13, I think. Uh, the, the episode where, where Silver decides it's a, it's a great idea to uh, drop his fucking weapons and then run out alone into the machines of dust without telling anyone where he's going. I that is the that. scariest, the most scared I have ever been uh, recording this show because I already had a major fallout. And if I'd gotten another major fallout uh, in that moment, uh, Silver was literally, could have literally died in like episode 13. And I was like, that that's going to be such a bad arc for him. That would not work. So even though I feel like that was a fun thing to do, and I, I'm happy that I did that, uh, I think it fit, fit the character to do that. Yeah, that was the most scared I've ever been what, uh, during that. I just think that's so funny because, like, you were not that much in danger. <laughs> it's just, like, for me as a mm-hmm. GM from mm-hmm. a purely game perspective, you were like, mm-hmm. it was fine. Like It, it was not anything, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. also, like, you had given me the setup of specifically to, to t- told Amber and Silver as the Heartsong people to be especially careful in the... the yeah, that's why I so was So that was concerned. also an added danger in that moment. I was also yeah. concerned for Silver, but... Yeah, I mean, you had gotten past the thing that was dangerous, which was the obelisk, so... Oh, okay. Were... I didn't know that. <laughs> Russ didn't say that. What dice did you roll for the echo stress from the obelisk for Amber? I don't remember. Oh, okay. I just remember <laughs> oh. getting seven echo stress and just being like, yeah, cool, I, I have that now. I think it was a D8. Okay. Ooh. Oh, you rolled high. I took like 12 echo stress or something when I did ran away, like, because I rolled a one on a, a roll. Yeah. Oof, that was fun. a fun time. I love taking echo stress. Anyway. So much fun. Uh, Dylan, did you? I do have an answer. And no one found this nearly as scary as I did, which is very funny to me. It's the same episode we got, How Do You Swim?, so, <laughs> which that's not actually what's said in the episode. So I don't think that people will I get know, the joke. But, but yeah, keep talking. It's a swimming conversation about how all the characters swim. Yeah, it's about <laughs> how each of our characters swim. It's a long conversation. I don't even remember how much made it into the episode. A uh, lot, a significant amount okay, of it great. actually made it. Awesome. In. <laughs> but anyway, that. You're I welcome. found the situation of having to be in a tight tunnel underground with a bunch of water in front of you and having no idea how far you're going to go and having no equipment. That's incredibly scary. And no one really yeah. acknowledged that, which is so funny to me because that sounds like a fucking nightmare. And we just kind of like swam through it. Well, I mean, I also took a bunch of stress because ca- uh, Silver's claustrophobia kicked in there, so, but but yes, I, I yeah. agree that it's an incredibly scary Thank you for reminding me. I was, in. I think I misunderstood what the situation was at first, which scared me until I realized that's not the situation we were in, so I thought the the, 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 the cave we were in was slowly being flooded, so oh, yeah. we were, if we didn't get out of it quickly enough, we would have We'd have, we would have suffocated, but eventually, very quickly, I realized it's not what's happening. The water's staying as it is, but there is some water. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the 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 first example, if that was the case, I would have been fairly scared. But also, in a way, because Reed doesn't fear is not an emotion Reed feels regularly or um, often, 
<laughs> so I didn't end up feeling actually scared as Reed. Mm. However, I do have an uh, uh, however I do have an answer for this. That me, Joe, was a little bit scared. This is this is also a little bit of a cop out answer. Not exactly what Twilight Trinity was probably thinking of, but I was scared of Reed dying as the player because I thought if Reed dies in the finale, like actually just dies, period, which was extremely likely. I just really didn't feel like that was that would have been a satisfying conclusion for the character. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near that. Because I felt like Reed could go on. Reed could... Like, like, there was so... Reed would not be able to get a satisfying conclusion for a while. Like, mm-hmm. a death. As a player. Reed doesn't fucking... Whatever. I mean, she does care, but whatever. Mm. So, as a player... I genuinely was scared. Like, I would have hated it if Reed just actually straight up died. Which is why I'm so incredibly happy with the fact that her ending was her literally just being in a different timeline. And in the past of that different timeline and just continuing her life. I wanted to bring this up later, but this is a great opportunity to. I think this is one of the saddest possible endings for Reed. Just because it's- I disagree, but it's really interesting that you think that, but go on. I understand why you think it's happy, because she gets to keep living her life and, like, exploring, and that's what she loves. But the way I perceive it, it's like, she had these great friends that would have stayed her friends, but they both fucking are in different timelines now, essentially, and she has no way to access them. And so she keeps having all these opportunities to make great friends. And this is an example of one of those. And it just turned out the same way. Mm-hmm. And so it's like very, yeah, it's exactly. really sad to me. Yeah. And, and to me, like as thinking as Reed, it's extremely not sad because it's like, well, she's continuing her life as usual, you know? I, I Something that made me really sad. Um, I'd been re-listening to the podcast with my partner episode something, 20, 22, 23? No, this is before that. This is like 19. Reed and Amber have this conversation about going to like a, a coven and Reed taking yeah. Amber with her to a coven. Yeah. Uh, yep. And that yep. fucking yep. Yep. wrecked me when I listened to that. Mm-hmm. Like they were just like, okay, oh, we'll have to go to like play games and uh, we'll, we'll bring Silver and mm-hmm. Silver will compete with Mossy because we're an uneven amount of people. And it's yeah. so sad. Oh, finally, Rid will have a partner to compete in these sports games. It was so sad. So sad in retrospect. I love that part. And it was very, it was very sad also in character because I think both characters knew in the back of their mind they're not coming back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking that. I'm, I think I might have been thinking that at yeah. the time. I think, well. I think it was just like, this is something to keep the morale up while we know we're heading towards That's our deaths. Oh, it, it, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's just so many, so many. It, it, there's so much interesting things you can do when you have people who know they're not going to get out of this alive, but they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, after that very long... <laughs> A question answer thing. Let's move on to Fishy's question, which is way lighter than what we've been answering before to just, this is good to just sort of bring the mood back up or whatever. <laughs> and the question is, how would the characters react to tasting stew vada macarona? I hope I said that right. You said it very Which correct. is a sen- <laughs> Thank you. And that is a macaroni, but boiled in milk hot, no. milk, not water? Yeah, instead of water. Essentially, this is uh, for any 
person who's listening to this, which who's Swedish, uh, would be familiar. This is like the quintessential bad cafeteria food for like school in in Sweden, Ugh. and it's just a general <laughs> staple of Swedish food that I personally despise. I do not. Like I was going to ask. I have no idea what this is. So thank you for it's, giving me a little context. It's like pasta that's boiled in a lot of milk and then you thicken the milk into like a sauce that the pasta mm-hmm. is like swimming in oh. not swimming in it kind in. of it's kind of like if you would take whipped cream but you wouldn't like whip it and then you would just mm-hmm. blend that with pasta and heat it up that doesn't and then sound like it, it could like, be that would be that bad and then you like have it with uh like ketchup and like something yeah i i personally hate it yeah. Speaking anyway. of ketchup, that's the second part of this oh. question, which is, would they encourage or discourage the use of ketchup? <laughs> okay. And I'll just go first, uh-huh. and I'll say it. Reed doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll eat anything. Yeah. So, there you go. Moving on. Rio, or I guess, not can, Rio, because Rio doesn't have a character. I can say but... some cool, some NPCs. Hell yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes, please. I think this is something Torworm regularly makes. And eats <laughs> oh and my god. Absolutely. Yeah. Fred- Frederick also likes it well enough. It's good to like... Like, Frederick is the kind of freak that eats it cold. Uh, and like, brings, uh. brings it on expeditions and like, has it in a canteen. Oh my god. A thermos. Oh. Carmina does not know this exists, but and I, I'm not sure how she would react to it. <laughs> Carmina's too bougie for this. Carmina yeah. would put it in this display in her shop, like horrible creature it is. Carmina would give it to one of her pets. Honestly, yeah. As thinking yeah. it's 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 animal, animal food. food. Baldery is like ambivalent. <laughs> Rust flows through the vein, can't eat anymore. And <laughs> <laughs> she can't digest. And her taste buds are gone. 100% rust. True Flies the Arrow loves this shit. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, of yes, course. Yes, yeah, he would. Of course, of course. Okay, okay. And as, yeah, I don't know how any of them feel about ketchup. I don't think that's, yeah. Is ketchup not yeah. a thing in the heart? Is this canonical? I think it's a thing in the heart. It's just none of them are like, they're like, okay, okay, they don't have okay. strong opinions on ketchup. That's a, for all of those NPCs, I'm just saying it as a blanket statement. Okay. The vibe I get is that Torrim regularly eats it with ketchup, but doesn't care. But True Flies uh-huh. the Arrow cannot have it with ketchup, and anyone who does is a heathen. Maybe True Flies the Arrow has to have it with ketchup. <laughs> I feel like either, whether True Flies the Arrow eats it with ketchup or not, either way, they have very strong opinions yes. on how it should be eaten, yes, and it's agreed. the way that they eat it, and oh, yeah. everything yeah. else is wrong. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. I think that Silver would eat about 60% Stuvada Macaroner, 40% ketchup. Oh my god, that's disgusting. <laughs> I know! Like, like, I just think that he would just have almost as much ketchup on as he would actually have, like, food. Also, I'm very curious, if I if I ate, if I consumed a resource which is Stuvada Macaroner, what, what domain would I get? Haven. Cursed. Haven, okay. If I if I consumed Silver's way of eating it, it would be cursed. <laughs> if it's forty percent ketchup, it's fucking uh... tomatoes. <laughs> wild, <laughs> yeah. Wild <laughs> tomato domain. Yeah, <laughs> wild is the tomato domain. Okay. Yes. As someone who has not personally tried this food, and I know my character would be picky, I have no fucking clue. Can I guess for Amber? Okay, I'd love to hear what you think. I- honestly think that he would not obviously i don't know that just seems like such a clear answer for See, me because amber is 
you know, Amber is also a little bit bougie and stuff. Mm -hmm. I I know that, but it's also like, I feel like there's an occasional food that he's like, whoa, I actually really like this and will eat it all the time. Mm -hmm. And this could absolutely be one of those, or it could just be, that is disgusting. Don't bring it anywhere near me. I think it's very funny if it's that is disgusting. (laughs) And Silver eats it with like 40% ketchup. Yes. (laughs) That's, that's the worst answer. Like, It is. Anyone could give. <laughs> I know, I'm very proud of it. Silver eats living body parts on the regular. I that's don't think true. He, he's worried about the he's ratio. Like, wow, ketchup ke- makes this sweeter. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Reed's taste buds are gone from all the experimentation that she just eats. She'll just eat it. She's trying Fuck to find yeah. a, natu- a natural artificial sweetener, you know? <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next question, <laughs> which is from Rowan. What was everyone's favorite moment from the arc? Uh, meeting Amasi <laughs> is my favorite moment from the arc. It's just—it's just such a nice. I feel like, but both because uh, recording like seven and eight was a really, you know, I, I've talked before about how that was a very important part and a very fun part of the um, podcast for me. But it was also a really kind of sad and dark part of like Silver Story, and I really feel like the kind of short break that the, episode ten, which is when we meet Mossy was both for the character and for us as players like we got to joke around for a bit we got to have some fun Reed got to take a fallout and, and play uh, disoriented and, and, and like it was just I felt like a kind of like a respite and like a breath of fresh air and I am uh, the kind of person who doesn't like being sad <laughs> so I like it when things are happy which is this is the wrong podcast for me to be and I know but like yeah <laughs> I'm trying to think of moments that would be different. I guess we haven't brought up the trance yet. That is absolutely one of my favorite moments. I think it was very fun listening to Rio give me all these things to like observe, observe, and ideally interact with. I wish I had interacted with it a little more, but it was still just an awesome moment that that it was just an awesome moment that I loved. So Hell yeah. my answer for this is I think in the finale. But not surprisingly, mm. not the actual part where I st- where I steal a god's powers. But um, just before that, where I am forced to sacrifice the professor. I think while that was a very sad moment and my tears were real, I think that was for the podcast a very fucking cool moment, and Agreed. it was very fun. Yeah, that's my. I think that's that's my favorite moment from the arc. Or one of my favorites, if I think of one later that is more of my favorite. Yeah, of course there's a lot of favorites. Rio, do you have an answer? One thing I thought was very fun was the obelisk scene. Oh, oh yeah. 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 But important uh, for to acknowledge, the part after we had gotten, like, we had figured out, like, sort of the layout and everyone wasn't super confused about what was going on and, like, actually understood my vision... That part. That episode was a disaster. Yeah. That was... Uh, it took us so... You that guys, a- I cut a, a lot of it out of the recording, but it took us so long to figure out what that room looked like. <laughs> yeah. We were so confused. It was horrible. Yeah. And it was I, a mess. Like, I had such a clear image in my mind, and I was really proud of how it looked in my head, and <laughs> I tried to convey it, and you used nobody got it, and I didn't know how to convey it better, because, like... Without putting up exp- like images, which I didn't have because it was all in my brain. And we tried images. 
we were googling like pictures of circular spiral rooms and shit like that. If you look in it, that ward spiral fucked you over a yeah. lot, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. Thinking back on it, it's a great moment of like confusion, but in the moment it was so <laughs> fucking frustrating. If you if you're one yeah. of the rare uh I think it's ten dollars and above patrons to get to see the notes. Uh, there's uh, actually art in my or like a doodle in my uh, notes of mine as well. Yeah, like of just how the room looks because everyone was so confused. And that doodle is actually a redraw of the actual thing that I drew to show Joe via the zoom camera to try to explain what this room looked like because we were all so fucking confused. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Is this right?" Yeah. Gosh, that yeah. was a time. It was such a time. Uh-huh. But yeah, once we got through the frustration, I think it was very fun. Yeah. And like, yeah. everything is falling apart, the stairs are falling down, and Amber just has to go in there. That's also one of my favorite moments, the, the Amber and Silver yelling at mm-hmm. each other in the obelisk. I remember that so clearly, because I remember being in character as Amber and knowing nothing you said would have changed his mind. Yeah, and I was yeah. just in there, in my character, in, that was one of the moments where I was so in character as Silver that I was, like, genuinely terrified you that Amber were... was gonna die. Mm-hmm. It was, it was impressive how in character you were. Like, I was like, Martina, please. Yeah. <laughs> as, as the player, though, I was like, this is gonna make the moment better if we have this interaction. So I was very happy that you tried to stop it, Amber. I also did, like, stop twice, and I was like, are you sure you want me to, you, you don't did. want me to back off? Because yeah. I was concerned about that but yeah oh god that was a good good seal of a moment i also that was also the time if i remember correctly when i just moved back from my living in my parents house to living to my dorm and i like hadn't eaten so i was just like crying in the middle of the recording yeah you you were because of my emotions crying i remember that (laughs) i cried i think a total of four times during the during zapper fight uh none of you is gonna know when (laughs) i'm not i'm not not audible but that was one of them either so. It's not audible, no, because it was I was quiet because I knew that I was crying, so I couldn't really speak. <laughs> okay, now let's move on to the next question, which is, what are some other TTRPG characters that you've played? We don't have to go through all of them. If there's, like, a lot, you could just go through, like, your favorites or something. I have two characters in mind that I want to share. One is kind of like a precursor for a lot of the ideas I have for Amber, and then the other is just a funny joke character. Uh, yeah, I played a fair few characters. Um, one that I think probably my favorite character I've ever played, uh, who in a lot of ways is very similar to Silver in that they're also sad as fuck. Uh, but other than that, there isn't really a whole lot uh, of similarities. Uh, it was basically a custom race that we had made up for for that specific specific campaign, which was like crow person, like a anthropomorphic crow. Uh, they were uh, called Muriel Atherton, and they were an author, and they were very sad, and they basically like wrote angsty poetry, and their poetry was able to be turned uh, into magic by like their sheer knowledge of how to manipulate the word through writing, and in a lot of ways they were like an exploration of my own thoughts and feelings on uh, imposter syndrome and like. Um, Basically, just like the creative process, and you know things like that, like ideas of like how how do you make art and feel proud of that art, and does it matter if you feel proud of the art if the art is making other people happy? And this is all getting very pretentious, very quickly, but that was like genuinely the main basis of the character. <laughs> Another really just really fun character that I played was when we were playing Pathfinder, which was a fire mage who was a tattoo artist <laughs> and who Ooh. was just. 
she was just a joy, honestly. Like she 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 was a, a mythology nerd and she made tattoos and she would just like see something weird in the forest, like a funny rock that she liked. She would just tattoo that on her arm because like she needed to practice. So she had just a bunch of billion tattoos about like just random nothings on her. Anyway, uh that's that's the characters that I played before. Do we wanna also actually mention our first characters? Oh I know. Oh. And then Yeah, okay, oh. we can do that. My first character was just literally me. Her name was Thea, T-H-I-A, and she mm-hmm. was uh, a fire mage, and basically the reason why she was fire mage is because I'm very afraid of fire. So oh. I tried to mm-hmm. like it. She was like a fire mage who had like the classic wild mage backstory of uh, went to a magical academy and had a, a fire incident like where she just like burnt down half the school and then ran away and tried to learn to control her powers on her own and she was really bad at it. She was really fun. Uh, she was basically just me though because like that's how it goes when you're That's how when, a lot when of you the first at, characters go. Yeah. When you're new at role playing you can't really think of a character so you just end up making yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I my first character uh, I touched a bit on the rock throwing Pathfinder adventure uh, where mm-hmm. I played a cleric and she was a cleric that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yep, that's it i don't think that's very interesting though so i will also mention my second character which was like when we actually the friend that had like showed us the system like actually sat us down like we sat down with his older brother who actually like walked us through how things worked uh and i played a half elf ranger fariel or something like that yeah he was just uh, a ranger and he uh, from like this Scandinavian-inspired region who just one day decided that, yeah, I'm gonna befriend this dwarf, I guess. And then they went on on a big adventure and they walked through a forest for a long time because there was an element that as you walked through the forest, you rolled to see which part you ended up in. And we never ended up getting to the required part to progress. (laughs) (laughs) And we were just walking around the forest eating uh, candy that we stole from a gingerbread house that we found (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. And our best friend were a pair of legs from a skeleton I shot the spine off, and the legs were still, like, animated. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just, yeah, they just went on an adventure. Like, I don't know if exactly what happened, but yeah, good times. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for, like, characters that I really enjoy, the thing is that I usually run games, so a lot of things are, like, NPCs that I've I portrayed that I really like. Uh, but mm-hmm. as for actual characters I've played... There is, I had an, in a uh, D&D game, I played an elf uh, named Anastriana, who uh, is deadly afraid of fire, after she had an incident in her youth where, when she was working as a woodcarver, her fire magic manifested, and she hey! burned down the entire thing. Awesome. And oh my god. is severely burnt and scarred from it, and, like, half her face is... love the is, fire magic tropes. Yeah, love that. Half her face is just scars. <laughs> Wonderful. Like, she had a bunch of fire magic that she just does not use, because, yeah, that's not what she wants to do. Like, she hates fire and would never do uh, use fire at all. I had the same thing. I had, like, one big fire... I had three fire spells, but I never used them, because I only used one healing spell and a buff spell. And my party was so mad at me. But I was like, no! Yeah. I mean, it ended up working, and, like... We didn't really get into fights a lot, and when I did, I had a bunch of other things I could do that were effective, so I was still contributing to the party, even mm. if I didn't use fire. And then uh, the group ended up falling apart. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. always what happens. Dylan? Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about a few characters 
I have my first character, of course, and then the one that was, like, a precursor for a lot of the ideas that formed what I wanted to do with Amber, and then, like, the precursor of an idea that's going to be in the upcoming arc. Ooh, teaser. I kind of realized they both have, like, similar characterizations, so... Anyway, my first character was a half-elf paladin named Waluigi. <laughs> right, we saw yeah. Warrior of God in the D&D handbook, and we were like, yeah, that's Waluigi. <laughs> Duh. And so that was a joke character. It was kind of fun. My DM sucked, though, so I couldn't ever do anything. I sh- sucked at everything, uh-huh. even the things I was supposed to be good at. And then that group fell apart very quickly. So that character is dead and means nothing to me and had no characterization. But that's your first character. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My second character was like someone was a rogue initially. And then I wanted to multi-class into Warlock. And so that was going to be kind of the idea of this person who is arrogant and pretends to know everything as a tactic to like get to know things about other people was like the rogue aspect of it and then the warlock aspect was he was gonna have powers that it's like suddenly have been thrust upon him and he has to find a way to deal with that and like what Mm -hmm. he's going to do with them and it was going to be a morally clear character that walked that line and it was supposed to be like a superhero thing of like oh you suddenly have these powers what do you do with them there's a pretty clear through line to amber and all of that with the less obvious acting like an asshole That happened a little bit later. And then my other character worth noting is like a barbarian that was very quiet, but with a kind heart and tough that basically took care of themselves for a long time and still tries to take care of themselves. And I'm going to go for like, I think a similar characterization for my next character of just like someone who's gruff and quiet, but very kind. Mm Mm-hmm. My first character is the one that I mentioned where uh, we did one session and then a second one a year later, (laughs) and those two sessions were uh, that character, which and her name was Orla, and she was a gnome bard, (laughs) and uh, she was very much like, she was not at all what I later found out the the, the stereotypes and the jokes about bards were. Mm -hmm. She was very, like the more angsty and mysterious type of character of, like, holding back, pretending you don't care, but actually, like, turning into the mom friend when you realize people you, people need you and stuff. But, yeah, I never actually properly got to play her. And also, I was, like, 16, so... And very new to RPGs, so, you know, it would have... I probably wouldn't have been able to show that characterization very well anyway. But yeah, that was the first character I ever played. Currently, I am playing a very fun character who is a dragonborn warlock, which are both like, I've never played a dragonborn, and I don't know how, but I've never played a warlock. So that's very fun, and and they are this sort of more morally gray type character, but also very flirtatious and fun (laughs) like life of the party very much their method of uh, their strategies usually end up end up being stuff like disguise self and charm people and stuff and um i am enjoying playing that character very much another one that was just for like a one shot i've had many 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 one shot characters but just one that i want to mention because that was actually the a game that we played together, I think almost either everyone 
Corbett Court. Who wasn't here for Corbett I was Court? not here for Corbett I was Court. not. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was just Austin. Oh, it was yeah. just me and Rio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Okay. I was wrong. But it was me and Rio and some other people for Corbett Court, which is another game, and I played a bird person. And that character was like a, um... <laughs> They were, like, a trader, as in, like, they, they sell things, but not, like, suit, tie, CEO, sell things, like, in, like, a market and being like, hey, I, for you, I get give this half yeah. price, my guy, and with, like, a big cigar, and always a thought, uh, is that the word, like, thought of money? A, 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 a what of cash? Fad? A fad? A want, Yes. And always having, like, a wad of just cash in their pocket. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, that was just a very fun character to play. Hell yeah. Yeah, those are some of my characters that I've played. Next question is, what's your favorite system to play in and or GM? Favorite system to GM is Ryutama, which is just cute and wonderful and also really sad. Because, yeah, you can... It's a... I mean... Depends on who you are as a group, but uh, I think it would be great for making, like, this very melancholy sadness with a cute rapping, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is my shit. Mm-hmm. And favorite system to play is probably Lancer. I think it, f- like, it just feels really good to play as a player. Like, I love mm-hmm. customizing my mech and giving it abilities that synergize, and I feel like, despite the combat, like, being a lot... There's a lot of things going on, it, they're easy to follow, and it feels like my tactics and positioning actually matter. And as someone who really enjoys those parts of RPGs, uh, I think Lancer is one of the better ones out there. And, you know, like, but it's not all that, it's also got all these other things that flow well. And yeah, I just think, I just think it's a well-designed system that awesome. feels good to play. Favorite system to play? Either hard. Heart is very fun to play. I've had a lot of fun playing Heart. Or there's a system called Cult or Cult, I guess, which is essentially a Powered by the Apocalypse game about like everyday people uh, and uh, fighting cosmic horror and not really fighting, but a lot of it is like mystery and intrigue. And uh, I am a person who enjoys <laughs> mystery. <laughs> quite a bit uh i enjoy solving mysteries i love making mysteries i just really think it's one of my favorite things to do especially in in ttrpgs and i just think that cult is a really great system for for that because there are mysteries that are solvable and there are mysteries that are unsolvable and i think it's just really fun to gm am i allowed to talk about the bonus (laughs) episode like just mention it yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, sure. Well, to GM, I won't say too much, but the system that I GM in our upcoming bonus episode that's going to be releasing at some point, Monster of the Week, really, really yeah. fun. Most fun I've ever had GM GMing anything uh, is that system, for sure. It's a really well-made system for people who are kind of new at GMing, and there are a lot of there's a lot of help and a lot of really clear direction that you can use if you're unused to running games. And also... It has mysteries, and I love me a mystery. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's probably it for me. I don't have a ton of experience GMing. I don't know if I'm very good at it or anything, but I did very much enjoy the experience of GMing D&D. So, of the things I've GMed, the one game I've GMed is my favorite to GM. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. uh, To play? I have to say, Heart, I fucking love playing this game. It's just 
again, I haven't played a ton of games, but this is one of the shining stars of the games I've played. I like that cert- a lot of aspects of it are simple, but you still have to keep track of things that are ongoing. And I like that the flexibility it gives you of not having to use a game board, while that is appealing for a lot of RPGs, it is awesome to just be able to like sit down and be like, this is what the what everything you're doing looks like, and you don't have to think too much about like distances and everything, which quickly complexes makes things complex. Oof, okay, and me, I'm gonna have to agree with Dylan. I I have played a couple games. I think I've played enough to know that I will probably feel this way for a while. Is that I think I love Heart. I it's my favorite system I've ever played. I'm not gonna answer anything for a favorite system to GM because I haven't played enough systems to GM, so I don't have an answer for that at all. But Heart, I I already already gushed about why I love Heart earlier in this episode, but I don't know how much of that I'm going to keep in, so I'll go again! <laughs> I I think I love the setting. I love all the, all the different fallouts. I love all the different flavor texts and the lore for the different classes. It's so interesting and stuff that I actually end up wanting to keep. A, a lot of it I end up wanting to keep for characters I play of those classes. And I love fucking, like, some things that don't actually come into play, but I still really enjoy. I think the art is wonderful in the book. I bought the special edition art book, heart, the rule book, and I think it's so beautiful. It is. And so freaking cool. I just love basically everything about it. Also, I love how many dice you get to roll in it. Like, <laughs> any roll, most rolls, you end up rolling at least two dice, which is objectively better than one dice <laughs> die. So, yeah. There you go. That's yeah. my answer. The hard art is honestly so good, and it's, it's such so a big inspiration. Awesome. And it's just, it's just really Yeah, cool. shout out to Felix Miel, or however you yeah. pronounce that name. Yeah, it's one of my biggest inspirations. Hell yeah. Alright, the next question is from Simon. How did your perceptions of your characters change over the series? Okay, so my perceptions changed in accordance with my perceptions of me, I guess. Because during the course of this podcast, uh, I figured out I had autism. And I'm autistic. And I also, kind of on accident, but then more so deliberately, channeled a lot of those experiences into Silver and uh, his struggles. And specifically his struggles with sensory overload, but also just in general, like, <laughs> I'm going back and realizing that a lot of the way, the way that he reasons and uh, the way that he acts is literally a slight exaggeration of how I would reason and act in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess that's a big that's a big thing that changed around when I started figuring figuring that out. Also, just in general, like a lot of the big overarching things with Silver were things that happened on accident. Like he ended up becoming way more of a tragic character than I had originally anticipated. I honestly kind of anticipated him being sort of a, a comic relief character at first, which is hilarious in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I love characters who are just, like, done. Like, the, that's kind of humor that I love. And a lot of Silver is just, like, in, at least in the early the early episode, he's just like, can we please be done now? Can we please keep going? Can we not do this? Uh, and that's something that I think is really funny. Uh, but that didn't end up staying for long, and I think the main Not thing that all. happened was the the deja vu fallout that like derailed that plan really early. I started to dislike him a little bit uh, when 
Like, I really liked Silver for the early, like, the beginning, but sometime after, like, essentially after the Machines of Dust thing, I started to dislike, and I started to feel like he was essentially dragging the rest of the party into his personal anxieties too much, and that he was being very pushy, which I was not a huge fan of, but I also liked it as a character thing. It's just not something that I personally enjoy in people. But, like, I feel like that uh, worked out really well, and um, I feel like we we had discussions about that, and, and he grew from that, and then he fucking died. That's beside the point. <laughs> he didn't die. I mean, in a way, he died and went to heaven, because he's an angel now. <laughs> I don't think that's how angels are. I think they He's are. mentally in heaven. I don't think he is mentally anymore. I think that's kind of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I started to like him again when we were on the Delta Tier 4. I, I started to come around to him again. I guess that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I never liked Amber. <laughs> and so it was really, really fun to watch all of my co-hosts um, talk about how like, oh, Amber is so sweet. Uh, <laughs> he does all these nice things. And it's like, I'm back here like, he sucks. <laughs> I hate <laughs> him so much. <laughs> so it was interesting to watch as I was like, I I always wanted him to be at least, well, kind of at most sympathetic and understandable, but not really that likable. And I can see how someone would like him as an interesting character. And I do <laughs> think he's interesting. And I liked, as things went on, how he became more interesting and had more depth as things went on. I gotta say, I still really like Amber. I've been saying this throughout the entire the entire season in our Discord, and Dylan's been like, "You're not. That's not gonna last." But I still really like Amber. I can. Understand I don't like him. him. I mean, I like Amber as a character. Yeah, a lot. Exactly. You we're right in that. And I think Reed likes Amber. I don't like playing Amber that much, by the way. I like making the story, but I don't like being in character with him because mm-hmm. it makes it harder to deal with people. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, of, I, I, ha- I had some of that with Silver, too. Like, especially, like, towards the... For a different reason, I think. But, like, towards the middle of the show, I was... I, Silver was just really sad. And I, as a person, started getting really, really, really sad. And I was like... Maybe making a character who's terrified of the very existence of the main thing of this game wasn't such a great idea after all, because I would like to feel happy emotions sometimes. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, So I've made a conscientious effort to not make another silver for the next arc, just to see if I like playing a character who's kind of at home in the heart and see how that feels. Mm I I think I as a player like Amber as a character and also I think Reed likes Amber but that's like I guess Reed doesn't know Amber that much and a lot of the bad person thing things Reed just assumed is like the heart messing with Amber and also there was a fallout that we we at, at some point we were aware that there was a specific concrete thing that happened mm-hmm. out of character it was the fallout in character it was Hard bullshit, as we called it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think even even then, not knowing Amber that well, Reed does like Amber. I think it's very interesting that you say that, because in my mind, a large portion of how he acts is how the heart affects him. And so when he feels more energized and outgoing, and essentially how I played it is as he got closer to the heart, he became... The obsession with the heart became 
less intrusive to his everyday life and so as he came down he had more he had was more outgoing and willing to do things for himself and others but that also meant that it broke down all the barriers that were keeping him from saying a bunch of shitty things (laughs) so so what you're telling me is the harp was making him a better person it was fucking with his emotions majorly i think at its core he could absolutely be a good person but there's a lot he has to fucking get through and so mm-hmm. it can shine through, but... I mean, Silver liked Amber. I don't think that's a secret. Like, Silver liked any... Ev- both of the... Uh, the entire party. Every didn't like Silver. Yeah, I, 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 I know. <laughs> that, no. That's, a, like, that's understandable. Like, Silver is a person who's very traumatized and very exhausted and, like, not dealing with I mean, that. listen... It's not just that, like, Reed didn't want to have to deal with Silver. Okay. It was just that they were very different people. Yeah. In the sense that if they did ch- decide to continue, like, traveling together or whatever, being just in the same group, it would have been difficult and Reed would not want to do that because it's just, you know, they're two extremely different characters with different priorities and different thought processes, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, they, they, they see the world... Like, it's, it's really not just a... Yeah, like... I love that I'm just here sitting down being like, I want to make it extremely clear, Reed didn't like anything about Silver. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. No, but it, it but, makes uh, sense. You know. They were two people who saw the world in two extremely different ways. And yeah, I just don't think they were good traveling. They were not a good match to have in a same, the same party because they just... They, they were polar opposites in what they prioritized. And they couldn't really mm-hmm. work together, even though we, we worked through it the entire arc, and they just couldn't come to a compromise that they were both happy with. Yeah, they. I don't know what uh, about Silver, but Reed literally just was like, let's just suck it up for the next yeah, no, couple of days. Sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, that same, same here. Silver was yeah. like, okay, I can tell that you're not going to prioritize what I'm going to prioritize, but it's ca- taking me way too much to argue with this about this, so I'm just mm-hmm. going to shut up. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it makes me sad, but it's just how it is. Like, yeah, sometimes no. you just can't work together with someone, and that's just how it is. Yeah, like, I'll cut this out, but, like, I want to make it extremely clear. I like you, and I hope this isn't yes. offending. Like, this no. isn't uh, too ho- close to heart. Like close story (laughs) like um that's just reed and silver not joe and silver or joe and martina okay that that actually that actually means a lot thank you for saying that but also yes i know how did your choice of zenith beat influence how you played your character and how they developed oh gosh this is very interesting (laughs) (laughs) so uh martina could you please tell me your class or was it calling and your zenith beat that you chose or zenith beats that you were considering (laughs) yeah i picked uh i picked heart song for my calling Mm -hmm. which you know (laughs) that 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 came across that that had a big impact on Mm -hmm. on silver Mm -hmm. and my well Basically, the answer to this question is, um, it didn't, because it was the other way around. The two Zenith beats for the Heart Song class is the one that I picked, which was um, bind, Become One with the Heart and Bind Your Essence to It Forever. And the other one is uh, Sever Your Connection with the Heart. Which is uh, which what Amber ended up doing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, basically, ever since session one, I've been going back and forth on whether or not I should 
it's essentially a good ending versus bad ending for Silver, right? Like, these two are like, either you get what you wanted the entire arc, or you don't, and you get trapped forever with the thing that you hate. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've essentially been going back and forth, pretty much episode, it's always been like episode to episode, I've been like, okay, uh, I feel like I want to give Silver a break, and then next episode I'm like, no, actually, he needs to suffer, and then I've just been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, uh, pretty much all arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I finally started to nail it down which one it would be after the big Silver Reed argument in episode Oof. 22. You said, we're on track for bad ending after this argument. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's just, I don't think that this, like, that Silver was strong enough in the face of uh, what was thrown against him to really fight the heart. Like, I just was just like, it would just feel cheap if I actually let him have a victory after, like... Yeah, no, it just it just didn't feel like, after, after that argument, Silver was pretty much at a low point where he was just like resigned like like we said before he just resigned himself to allowing reed to do things her way essentially and uh doing what he perceived to be putting the party in danger in order to get closer to the heart and he was just pretty much resigned he just basically resigned himself to doing as much as he could to keep everyone safe until we got there and then doing what the heart wanted him wanted of him just so he could like be done with the whole thing and I was just like, after recording that episode, and especially after listening to it when it was released, I was just like, that's not good enough. Like, that conviction isn't gonna be strong enough to get you out of, to get him out of the situation. And I was, I have been extremely clear about this since, pretty much since the whole thing with the, the heart wanting Silver to do this mission. Which is, I don't see a reason why the heart would let Silver go after. Like, even after he does what it wants, and even after it promised him that it would let him go, I just don't see a reason why it would just give him up when it could also just... He's on tier four now, it could just take him, you know? So I th- I've always been still working on the assumption that if Silver were to get rid of the heart, he would have to fight it. And I just didn't think that he was strong enough to do that. So really, it was not my beat influencing the way that I played the character. Really, it was my char- the way that I played the character influencing what Zenith beat I ended up picking. No, that's exactly the same for me, but Dylan, it's uh, your turn. When I was making Amber, I did have consideration for Zenith abilities and whether or not he's gonna die in mind, actually. But as I was making him, I was like, he's supposed to be new to the heart. And so people don't necessarily go directly into the heart and then just fucking die immediately. I'm sure that happens to plenty of people, but that doesn't make a very interesting story. So I was like, okay, I think it depends on where we get in this story, but I think I want Amber to live and like continue. I don't know that a Zenith beat 100% fits, but as we got closer, I was like, yeah, you can kill Amber or you can give him a Zenith ability. That makes sense, but I didn't really want to make up my mind. So I was like, hey, Rio, you can just do whatever with Amber. And then I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. Rio DM'd me uh, and said, break the hold. And I was like, damn. All right. I guess that's happening. (laughs) Yeah, because I knew that Silver picked the opposite and I thought it would be very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very interesting. And I think it fits actually fairly well because Mm -hmm. Amber had no direction in his life and then he decided to follow the heart song and he followed that to its very end 
and that he was dissatisfied. To say the least. To say the least. And so he was like, fuck this. I don't I don't want my life to end here because that's realistically what's going to happen. And he said no to the heart. And I'm fucking honestly shocked he made it out of there and the heart did not claim him. I think I kind of also touched on the indecisiveness because at the end of that, I was like, he has one fucking thing to do and it's go find a coven. I just really liked the part of that conversation with Amber and the heart where the heart was like, well, you can still like go after silver. Like you can, you can, that's fine. Like I can fix him again. I can, you can still be with him. And I was just like, Mm-hmm. I was just like sitting there like uh-huh yeah okay sure buddy I really yeah. love how the the heart is just this manipulative piece of shit and I just think it's very fun that's interesting that that's the way you interpreted the heart saying that because what I thought was being said is come on Amber I'll turn you into like an angel or whatever well, yeah. as well and that way you can be together and not like I'm going to turn turn silver back I, and that way you I can be really together. I don't really necessarily know if I express that in the best way. I also think that that might have been a possibility like just the idea of the heart like essentially claiming silver in front of Amber and like turning him into a monster and then being like no it's okay you can still be together. It's mm-hmm. just such a fucking And that being like why didn't you go together? <laughs> Yeah, like, why didn't you like, follow him? Like, bitch, huh? you murdered him in front of my eyes! Yeah. <laughs> also, I do want to point out, like, a thing as a person, like, because the podcast has to be listenable, and because my players have to understand what's going on, when I characterize something as the heart, I do sometimes make shorthands like that. Like, I don't think the heart is actually saying these things, yeah. but it's like... Yeah, right. that's what I was yeah. thinking as it's well, It's like yeah. conveying the, these general emotions into you. I just yes. want to make that clear. I, the yes. heart is, does not speak. The heart isn't just like a dude and... <laughs> no. Although, I, I, yeah, no. And I, I'm gonna... It's gonna be really interesting, I think, to go in future arcs and see how those parties interact with the the heart and see what it's like no for, for them. sure yeah. yes i'm very excited for that <sighs> for me as i already said it's very much similarly to silver it's not the zenith beats that changed the character or whatever it was it's you know how i kept playing the character and how my my idea of reed changed over time or more accurately, my idea of what Reed wants that changed over time. And I chose the Calling Adventure and my two Zenith Beats that I could choose from were Reach Tier 4 of the Heart or Lead a Haven to Prosperity. And I, when I saw that, when I saw those, I was like, oh, duh, yeah, obviously Reach Tier 4 of the Heart for Reed. But then we reached <laughs> Tier 4 of the Heart and I was like, no, this can't be the end of my character. I was actually mistaken. I don't think, like, even if it had taken slightly longer, it's not just about purely reaching tier four of the heart that was something that Reed was aspiring for. It was just experiencing all of the heart. By reaching tier four of the heart, Reed was supposed to Go through tier one. Well, she did. She was living in tier one for a while, but go through tier two properly. Just experience it. Make uh, companions, bonds, friends. uh, Do science. Get new abilities. And then go to tier three. And then the same for tier four. But just purely reaching tier four was not something that I felt like 
was the end goal for Reed, which is why when the closer we were getting to tier four, towards the end of the uh, the the arc, the more I was thinking, but I don't I don't understand. Like, should I? I guess I should choose the Zenith Bee because it's like, what else am I gonna do? But I don't want this ending for the character. And basically, before the before recording either the finale or the last two episodes, I decided to fuck like to say. Fuck those two Zenith Beat options. I'll come up with my own Zenith Beat homebrew, which didn't get chosen, but that's fine because I didn't want Reed's ending to be then. That I, that's not as I've already talked about. The homebrew, uh, Zenith Beat that I came up with, which again, still is not like, I'm not saying, oh, now this is for sure what Reed wants. It could still change if I ever play Reed again. It could still absolutely change because Whatever character I play, they change as I play them, both because that's how people work, and also because I get to know them as I play them. Like, you know, I I have never once just thought of everything about a character before I've even done session one. That's just not... I don't know, I don't think... Maybe there's someone like that that's just thought of a character and then kept every single session of, of whatever game they're playing completely accurate to that what they've thought of, but I knew that was not gonna- I know that's not how it works, so the homebrew beat that I came up with is, like, Master of the Four Elements, which I thought was kind of cool, because magic is something that she has been obsessed with for a while, and that is something that it's sort of- you know, she's a junk mage, it's like- it's a little bit of an addiction for her. Well, it's not a little- it's It's, literally the flavor lore- it's the lore for junk mages, but also- I think because when I got the ice powers, which was originally supposed to be fire powers, and then second originally was supposed to be earth powers, because in the book it's fire powers, but I was like, no, I don't want to burn the fucking mushrooms, that's going to make it worse. And then I thought, okay, I'll homebrew it. Oh, what if I make it, like, plant powers or whatever, so essentially I can make, like, roots grow out of whatever and that's sort of the power i have and then eventually i was like actually i don't think i'm medic i i don't think at first i was like oh maybe it's not fair for me to choose ice powers because it's like metagaming or whatever but then i realized no fuck that reed already knows that if fire is bad for the mushrooms uh, well good for the mushrooms but bad for us then ice is probably better so it, it doesn't not make sense for her to learn that specifically and then i showed i sort of tried to show hints of reed practicing it with like the flower and stuff and like concentrating on it during the delve to i think tier three of like her concentrating on the flower and then you seeing water droplets on it because it's like just a thin layer of ice that immediately melted (laughs) and I could have done a little bit more to, from uh, with that because it's how do you go from thin layer of ice that immediately melts to ice tower? Is I could have done a little bit more of See. foreshadowing, showing the practice. But look, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, but also the flavor of the actual spell is as you use it more, it gets more powerful very quickly. Yeah. So yes. I feel like it still fits. Yeah, and also I did actually get uh, do a little bit more practicing with when I went out to kill like creatures, like beasts. Mm-hmm. And, that was um, fun, yeah. I suppose that could be considered more practicing because, well, 
I didn't practice. fucking build an ice tower. Yeah. I was just throwing ice at it, you know? Yeah. But yes, I thought when I got that power, and then eventually I got Zixer's power, which is kind of a little bit earthy, sort of, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be fun to have this, but I knew that I was never going to get to it, which I was completely happy with. And I am over the moon <laughs> with the critical fallout that I got, which ended up being the sort of open-ended conclusion for my character. Yes. But yeah, that's the Zenith beat that I chose and then changed my mind and then I chose again. Hell yeah. Anyway, so let's move on to the next question, which is from Charlie. Were there any plot hooks laid down that didn't get picked up on slash pursuit? This is for Rio, so Rio, you can talk as long as you want because we've been talking for a while yeah. without you. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. I don't really know. Like, I feel like, like, I had ideas for things that I felt these might be interesting to do, but I don't think I really made them into, like, hooks, because I felt that also, like, we're just on a, on a track, and I, I feel like I know where, we're, where we want to go, and I don't feel like I need to throw out more hooks right now, because, yeah, my mm -hmm. players are just pursuing this thing. I did have, like, way back, I wanted us to, like, return to the Great Hall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that, actually. I remember you I wanted that. to return yeah. to the Great Hall. So did I. Uh, because it was gonna be fucked up. Oh! Like, it was gonna be uh, infested and shit. Oh! Oh, no. That's so good! Yes! Uh, but would, would, would some people have died? Yeah. I don't think, like, I had plan. Like, I knew I wanted there to be, like, people have died, but I don't think, I like, any of the named NPCs were among them. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe, like, the innkeeper that you talked to, like, very briefly or something like that, but not, like... Torworm, not Drano. Yeah, Torworm. I think Torworm was gonna be like affected. Oh. Like not in infected, but like very shaken oh. by everything and like locking himself oh, in. Emotionally yeah. affected. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. He like did. he was he was basically in full quarantine mode, and if he saw any mushroom, like just nope, that's getting instantly removed with like every safety preca safety precaution I can I have, and. Drana was just gonna be very, very, very upset that you hadn't found anything of Shatter. Ooh. Ooh. Well, Sheil, I have some great news for her. I was her. gonna say. We have found a lot of Shatter, actually. Several yeah. parts. Really lived up to his name. Oh, that makes it so interesting <laughs> that I think Amber visited the Great Hall. Yeah. But she didn't know. She didn't know, because Amber is completely unrecognizable. I think that was basically the most thing that was like, yeah, that didn't really get picked up on that much. What, what, what was the deal with the plans to Baldury's house? Were there any plans for those? I mean, y y there was, I had, like, you could have, like, broken in there and just stolen stuff from him. It's like, why were they just being sold? Like, do we know, like, did you have any ideas for, like, how the fuck they ended up in the black market? My thought was, because Baldury is everyone, like, there was, like kind of a hint I laid out that, like, everyone is connected to this thing and, ha like, they all share, like, some some innate knowledge of everything that's happening in the town. And wow. that's, like, why Baldur knew your names is because other people had heard them. Oh, interesting. And, like, then it, they just, like, kind of pop up in his head. Like, I don't even think he writes all those, all the books you found. Like, those are kind of just being filled in by Baldur being in Gorin. How the fuck 
did he know my my outfit name? Do you know that, or is it just like because he's Baldurini and knows a bunch of shit? Like he knew he knew the actual Silver's actual name, which he hadn't even told the other the other people in the party. That was mostly me <laughs> making him scary. <laughs> Okay, okay, that makes sense. It was very scary. And I I definitely do believe that Silva would have told other people in the heart in other times. So the information could definitely have reached him somewhere. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Because that was one of my favorite parts of that conversation with Baldry when he was when he just addressed me by my full name. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. It's the only time in the entire podcast that name got got used. I guess that's that question. Which NPC was each person's favorite? Carmina. Oh. valid valid fair does mossy count as an npc yes (laughs) because if mossy counts as an npc then mossy there's not a huge competition huh no it really isn't i don't i i just i i i love mossy so much i love that he doesn't i honestly like the the most fun part about mossy for me is that he just doesn't take silver's bullshit he's the consistently the only character in the show silver would just be like just like try to rationalize and be anxious and try to be like no you really shouldn't be next close to me because i'm a terrible influence on you and Moss will just be like fuck off i'm, I'm going yeah. like he just will not listen to silver's excuses yeah. for shit perfect. and i really like that i think that's exactly what silver needs like just people who will not let him essentially hide from his problems by trying to do everything himself. Mm. And also, I just really... I I like that not everything about the heart is terrible and sad in, in Silver's story. Like, I like that, yes, the heart is a horrible, obviously manipulating force in his life, but also it can also be beautiful and it can call... It, it, it caused this creature to appear to him and to be his friend and companion, which is something that he sorely needed and was probably, like, the best part of Silver's journey throughout this entire arc. And I really, really like the dichotomy of that. Also, I just like to draw mossy. Sue me, I can have deep reasons, and also I just like (laughs) drawing a bug that's full of moss. (laughs) Favorite NPC? This is tough. I liked a lot of the NPCs. Carmina is definitely a favorite, but I'm gonna try and be a little little more original. I really did like Baldry. I like how the mystery of Gorin unfolded and how fucking annoying and I personally found Baldry annoying, even though I know he was scary, because it was like, yeah, sure, bud, you just know everything, uh-huh. But then he literally did know everything, and so it was like, yeah. fuck. Alright. <laughs> So I I really liked that because I like that aspect aspect of the arc and it's kind of funny to say that's my favorite NPC because it's also just like an entire city that's my favorite and also an entire like small chunk of the arc. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Gorn is the worst city. Except now because now it's just a big mushroom and now it's the best city. I think the worst place you visited was Briar. Fuck the Briar. It's okay, like the Briar people at least weren't being loud. They were being rude, but they weren't being loud. Gorin was both rude and loud, which and I think small. makes it worse. And cramped. Fuck Gorin. I think my favorite NPC, this might be a surprising answer because it's not very, like, it's not that memorable, I suppose, of a character. They're not, like, that unique or anything, but I, I don't know. I liked Drana. Fuck yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why. I just really liked her vibe of and the way she was like talking to a tourworm though now knowing that she just 
doesn't like Torworm, and it wasn't, and I completely misunderstood the situation. Maybe if I had correctly understood the situation, maybe I wouldn't have liked her as much. But I think I liked that, I think I liked that just, like, energy and, like, chemistry of, like, I care about you, stop fucking, I'm so, I'm gonna yell at you because you keep getting in trouble and I have to patch you up and I'm so already busy and stressed, I have so much to do. Mm. I don't have time for your shenanigans. And uh I liked that. And I think I was also, like, when she appeared in my head, I was imagining um Dr. Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation, which just immediately, like, made me like her more because <laughs> I like Dr. Crusher. So I, I think that was a big influence and made me just, com- just a completely biased. That's fair. I also want to give an honorable mention to Mark because Mark fucking Mark's rules. Great. I love. They're dead Mark. now, but they rock. I loved Mark, and it was a similar thing with you and the, your Star Trek character. In that, as soon as I came up with a, a design for Mark, I started liking them way, way more because I was like, "This design rules." <laughs> I I at one point was like, "I really want to play Mark." Actually, <laughs> oh god, I mean you can. I can. Actually, speaking of Mark, this is going to be a bit of a tangent, but, like, we meet Mark in, what, episode three, four? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. And I didn't pick up on the fact that Mark was a cleaver, because I didn't realize the cleavers had horns. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so basically what happened with that, I've told y'all how the creation of Silver was a very stressed and quick affair, and I, the big picture in the book on cleavers says it has it has horns and the flavor text says horns and i was like okay so cleavers have horns and then i uh, like after i made silver's character i was just like okay i should probably like figure out how this person looks because we're literally recording tomorrow uh so i just made a really quick doodle in my notebook and it was like midnight and I didn't want to Google, I didn't want to figure out how his horns were supposed to look. So I didn't actually draw in the horns. I was just like, I'll just do that tomorrow when I have time. And then I forgot to draw in the horns. And when we were describing our characters, I didn't mention horns. And afterwards, I just forgot about them. So that's why Silver didn't have horns. And that's why we had to make wow. that into a plot point. Yeah. but yeah that just reminded me of that because of the thing with mark where it's like that's why i didn't realize in season in episode three that mark was a cleaver (laughs) because i remember saying at some point like it's weird that we haven't met any other cleavers and rio was like hang on wait like mark was a cleaver yeah a lot of the best parts of silver were complete accidents and i love them (laughs) also honorable mention for favorite group of npcs was the guards and gorin yeah and i really liked it because i yeah the lookouts i remember amber like being like kind of friendly towards one of them and now i was just imagining this like average sized twink man talking to this giant buff man and i was like that that's a hilarious image to me and i don't know why it's very funny it's very funny (laughs) Also, honorable measures to the necroculinarians, who I loved, yes. and they had great vibes, and I love them. You never met them. <laughs> you I know, heard but... na- You heard their names only. I think you just like the worried necroculinarian. Yes. Correct. Accurate. <laughs> also, I like the idea I have in them in my head right now, because I've thought a lot more about them since the start of the arc, but don't worry about that. 
And then this is the last audience question from Charlie as well. How thoroughly planned out in advance was this arc? And did the players throw any wrenches into those plans by doing anything unexpected? Very interesting. No. Well, so the thing is, when I sit, like, I, I'm not that much of a planning GM. Like, I like being more reactive and, like, taking in what my players want. And I feel like I can still do a better job at it than I did because I, like, I feel like I kind of forgot about beats, like, what beats you were pursuing a lot. And, like, I probably should have, like, taken more time before a session to, um, think of reasons they might come up and not, like, just kind of forget about them, which <laughs> ended up happening a lot. Which is why, for example, Amber didn't end up getting a lot of beats for a long while, because mm-hmm. I forgot. <laughs> I didn't care at all, though. Yeah, no, I, I I don't think it was like, oh, you're such a bad GM. Like, it's it's a new system, and it takes mm-hmm. a while. Like, it always takes a while to learn these kind yeah. of things, and I'm not used to this. I'm more used to D&D, which is It also wasn't like same. I was sitting there like, come on, give me a beat so I can get an ability or anything. It was yeah. kind of like... I was. Fair. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I felt like... It worked really well with how you played Reed. Like, like you were constantly getting things and like getting things done. And I thought that was very fun. And I, I kind of feel a bit bad that I didn't give everyone else the same treatment. But you know, like it's whatever. I ended up playing way more towards my fallouts than I did with my beats, which was yeah. a lot of, I love how, I think it's just how every, everyone like approaches. Like, like I got a solid six episodes out of that deja vu fallout and even this fallouts. That's a very extreme example, but even the other fallouts, I feel like I took a lot more care of incorporating those into my behavior as uh, Silver than I necessarily did working towards my beat, and I, that was so much fun. So it ended up, everyone still had things to do, even if we weren't necessarily yeah. doing the things that the game wanted yeah. us to do. <laughs> Amber's vibe was also just like, stumble upon shit and then deal with it. And as for players throwing in the branches in those plans, well, there weren't really any that many plans, uh, but I know there were moments when I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> uh, I can't remember any of them, like, right now. How do you swim? <laughs> well, that wasn't really... Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was, wasn't yeah. really, like, players doing something. That was... Or catch doing something. That was players getting into a long discussion. I think it was very funny in hindsight. I thought, like, in the moment, I was like, suddenly, wait a minute, this was just a, like, piece of shit obstacle that I threw in that we were gonna, like, roll once and get past, and I just wanted some flavor, and then everyone went into this thing. And I was like, this, I mean, I want to move on, but also, like, I, I did think it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I just felt like maybe it took a bit longer than you I just let it ideally out. wanted. But I, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was fun, and... Okay, I will say I did not expect Silver to run away so much. Like there were several times when I was like, "What are you doing?" Neither did I. Oh, that's hilarious. Let me tell you, neither did I. That was that was definitely not a thing. That's actually really funny because that wasn't. You might look at Silver and be like, "Oh, the thing with Silver running away from all of his problems." That was an that was an intended bit of characterization on my part. No, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> It yeah. was not. It just happened that the deja vu thing kind of made that this default response. Because, like, what are you going to do when you're literally chased down by the memories of beasts that you've hunted? Yeah, you're going to fucking run from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it happened twice in a row. And then it just made sense to continue on that thread. And then it became something bigger and a large part of his mm-hmm. character that he had to work yeah. through. So it was kind of what the fuck for everyone. <laughs> it was yeah. definitely all of all of Silver's characterization was, was what the fuck from my perspective. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Neither did he! <laughs> did you expect us to go to the red market? Okay, I didn't expect you to go to the red... That wasn't something I had planned, really. Like, I, I had something in the back of my mind that Baldur was maybe gonna give you some kind of, like, a few different tasks, and one of them would have taken you to the red market. Oh. But uh, that didn't happen because <laughs> y'all just bolted from Gorin for a while, and then I had to somehow reintroduce that thread by having Frederick appear all bloody. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, no, that was, so that was Who beat up Frederick? Rio, who? who beat who? up Frederick? Ooh, that's a great question. What's the Necroculinarians? Fuck! It was? Oh, why? Uh, he was just, like, getting into their business too much, and they were like, no, fuck off, and uh, dragged him oh, into an alley and beat the shit out of him and stole, all of, like, half of his equipment. Damn! Mm. How dare they, but also I still like them, because they're called the Necroculinarians. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the heart. Nobody's a good person down here, That's basically. Accurate. One more thing before you move on. What would have Baldry done if we just stuck around and we didn't just decide, oh my god, let's leave? What was he gonna do? What did he do? After burning Gorin down, Baldry, as he's done several, several times before, resolved to uh, sever his, like, the hold the heart has on him. And if he failed, and there's a new Gorin somewhere. Oh, really? Oh like, my god. There's just gonna be a new Gorin in a few uh, years, and, and that's gonna be different. And that's just an internal cycle he's trapped in, and he can never escape. Awesome. The heart fucking Good sucks, y'all. <laughs> he gets like five years of I'm gonna fight this thing, and then the more like the more those passes, the weaker the result gets, and the more he gets into this thing, and then he gets like trapped, and his own memories get like locked away, and then suddenly he realizes what's going on, and he burns the town on down, and then yeah. Love ah, that. okay. I love that so much. What did you expect us to do? That we didn't do. I don't really know there was anything that I expected you to do that you didn't. Most of it was, if anything, it was like me feeling that, okay, this I wanted them to do this, but the story doesn't feel like it fits that anymore, and I don't really want to, like, have to move there, so I don't want to do it anymore. Oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. First of all, thank you to everyone who sent in listening questions. Thank it's you. Been a thank you so much. It was answering them. Like we I lo- thought yeah. the listener questions were gonna be the small a small part of the the postmortem, but no, that's gonna be the majority because it's been a bl- yeah, yeah they're been a while. Great. It's been yeah, great. We, um, like we've gotten through a lot of the things we were gonna talk about anyway. Yeah, yeah. I had a question for you, Rio, which is like, did you make any split second decision that ended up having like consequences that were like bigger than what you had like imagined them to be? <laughs> I mean, I guess giving silver the day of the I was thinking that. That's as the well. that's the big one. Oh yeah. Well, I guess it didn't really have that much bigger consequences than I anticipated. But Harold being mushroom infected and becoming a mushroom crawl was something I decided Harold. on the spot. Man, I wish Amber had gotten to talk to Harold for at least a second, but no. Yeah. I, I got to threaten Harold twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> would something have happened if Amber talked to Harold? I don't know. I just felt like Amber would have been nicer, and so it would have been a very different interaction with Harold. Fucking ironic. I know. Yeah. I guess it's open floor for anyone who wants to ask anyone else questions oh, now for the second le- much less structured okay. part of this. So, <laughs> Dylan, what the fuck is up with Amber being a wonderful witch? literally fucking nothing i said it once and then some 
I think someone commented on it, and I was like, well, now it's gonna be a thing, but only occasionally. Oh my fucking god, you asshole. <laughs> I think I did it once, and I was like, that's fun, I'll do it again next time, and then I stopped, because I was like, okay, two times isn't enough, and then you were like, "Yeah, why are you saying Wonderful Witch? And I was like... <laughs> like the word i guess oh, yeah it does sound very oh fun God. it's very fun wonderful no it, very fun it became say. iconic i love it it became very funny yeah because i felt like <laughs> also played into it a little bit by like saying that there was a meaning at some point i kind of for a while i had like a conspiracy theory about it <laughs> about it being connected to like basically in the episodes where amber was being the most ominous because i know you said it before the obelisk Oh, so I was yeah. like, okay, if Dylan has, like, big plans for Amber to do weird fucked up shit, he's gonna say wonderful. I and think that, I just that's said wonderful like, because I was excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's just, like, yeah. that was my going on theory, which means that every time you said it, I was slightly more on edge for that episode recording. <laughs> yeah. And I think I played into that at some point, too. I was, yeah. You told me yeah, about it, did. and I was like, you did. oh, yeah, I'm gonna say it not for these episodes, but this one I will. Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Follow-up yeah. question. What the fuck is up with the ring? And the goat's eyes. Uh, the goat's eyes was a part of Amber's character and part of the, like, connection he has to the heart from the beginning. Just because mm-hmm. I thought it was neat. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah. I was like... Where's the ring from? Fuck if I know. Yeah, what's just the thing? I, it was just a like, weird trance, was... essentially. Yeah, no, I think Dylan picked a beat that was like see something for you from your dreams or whatever yes the goat's eyes are in my dreams for one of the yeah. questions in the beginning it's like what do you see in your dreams the two three things i saw were um someone falling into a pit with no obvious bottom which is why i was looking for stuff like that at the beginning and then the goat's eye staring at me and then just general viscera for the third one which is fun. Why did you think it was your brother? Did you just say that so it was a good enough explanation so people didn't mm-hmm. question you? Yep. Literally, that's yeah, I it. Think you, even say so, you even say so in the episode. You're like, Amber doesn't actually know if this is his brother. He just assumes that. Yeah. Assumes that. He assumes that. He says that also so people will help him. <laughs> the, there was a point where I was like, I think oh, it no. is Amber going into the okay. pit and he doesn't want to accept that. But then I was like, I think it's more fun if he has just no idea who it is. Yeah. So there was no actual pit that the pit was re- representing? Well, no, wasn't it the obelisk? The person in the obelisk? It could have been. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Like, was it just us interpreting it as the person in the obelisk could be? Yeah, the put, I don't. I think that pit? was. I think it was more that you were inter- interpreted. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, okay. I think largely it's just a vague dream that is intentionally vague, so you can put whatever you want onto it. And then, and then you had the trans the end where Shatter was in a pit. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Because I wanted to tie back to that. Because nice. That's the fun of Heart Song. That's actually. A funny, funny note about uh, <laughs> those two questions that you were supposed to answer before you made your character when you picked the heart song. You might notice that uh, I hadn't, didn't have any of those in my characterization for Silver, and that's because I didn't see them. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I didn't end up answering any of them, and I didn't realize you were supposed to until we made our question characters for the next arc yeah. and i was like oh fuck i fucked up <laughs> whatever it worked out while we're mentioning uh amber's ring and stuff i want to talk there's something i want to talk about it's like 
the fact that for a while I kept getting annoyed at myself about like forgetting to talk to like ask about the ring because you did mention like twice and like other things as well like looking at your bags carefully and then also fiddling with the ring and touching your left e- left ear mm-hmm. behind your left ear and then I kept being annoyed at myself of like, well, I guess I wouldn't have talked about like looking at your back because it's like, well, you're just checking that all your stuff is there. Mm-hmm. But then also similarly later on, as I was like mentally f- half trying to justify that, no, it's fine that I kept forgetting to do this character thing that I wanted to do. Uh, but also half, I think it's right that I kind of like that Reed ended up just never questioning the whole ring thing, even though, like, in character, it's not like it was a thing that would have been mentioned. Like, I only know that it's something of note because it was mentioned. Mm-hmm. But, like, in character, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not like everything... It was very slightly out of character, but probably nothing Reed would bat an eye at. Like, yeah, out of character, it was specifically mentioned, but that's how stories work, you know? You mention something, then it, it, there's a reason for it being mentioned. Well, most of, a lot of the time. It doesn't have to be. But, you know, in character, it wouldn't have been. But yeah, I was just getting annoyed at, like, forgetting to mention Professor, forgetting to talk about the ring, or just other stuff. And mm. then they just came up with a justification of, like, no! actually and i liked the justification so i ran with it of like no that's just he's just fiddling with a ring like even if it did look extremely suspicious and he was being a little bit weird when he was he saw the ring and recognized it but i think reed would have just been like uh yeah you know it's a thing something i don't know everyone has things going on that doesn't have to be important i don't have to know about everything and then i liked that and there you go that is about 80% of how I did characterization for Silver. Like, just that, exactly what you described, where you just do a thing in character, and I would, after, usually after every session of any role-playing podcast, I uh, I keep thinking about what's actually happened, and I will go back over it, and I will think about it, and think about it, and think about it for at least, like... An hour sometimes, like, some episodes, I was up for, like, three, four hours just thinking and working through what had happened in the session. I know that the one with the obelisk was one such episode, and the one with Silver and Reed's argument was one such episode where I was just up for an extremely long time afterwards just trying to work together and make sense of what had just happened. During a lot of those times where I was was just, like, going back through what was happened and what Silver had done, I would usually make up justifications afterwards for I think he did this for this reason and like mm-hmm. things like and that's how a lot of the the silver running away thing started out as one of those things I was like okay he's running away because of this and then like that c- kind of got expanded upon and I do a lot of that like just throwing random shit at the wall and just picking up what I what I like mm-hmm. after the session is done uh, and then in the latter half of the arc obviously I would try to use the things that I had picked up and like work those into the character more that's like how I kind of always make my character my TTRPG characters I kind of love that so I have a question for everyone ooh Ooh, hello what what was your favorite fallout that anyone took ooh ooh I know I know I know Uh I know uh-huh. Meat. I was gonna say yeah. 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 meat. <laughs> meat. Yeah. yeah. Meat. It's meat. I just love the timing of it, and also I just like what it does, and I like who got it, also. <laughs> I loved playing I think, it. <laughs> like, I loved at the time, because Amber had 
just killed a man in the obelisk and also, like, made his connection to the heart a little bit stronger. And he had been getting, because after that, he had been getting a little bit meaner and stuff. And then we got meat. <laughs> and that just, like, yeah. made everything, so solidified everything. I was going to say, it was actually quite the challenge to have that fallout because the way I imagine is him working is as he goes up, the obsessions make him overthink everything. And so that's why he's like more kind because it's easier for him to not think about being nice to people because that's what he's had to fake basically his whole life, even if he doesn't like mm. people. And so when that disappeared because of the meat fallout, I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to do this? And so it was kind of like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about um, any NPC at all, but the PCs, he's also going to be mean to, but he's going to try his best to like work around it. So it was very awkward, I, but I loved it. I really like how you did the meat fallout. Like, I really like that instead of just like becoming completely an asshole and just like suddenly Amber doesn't care about anyone. It was more of a thing where Amber realized like didn't care about anyone, but he still had memories of caring about people, and he didn't yeah. really understand mm -hmm. why. He's like, I'm supposed to care about these people. Yeah, and it's just like, why is my brain not, why does this feel different now? I don't understand. And I really like that instead of, like, just taking that out on the PCs, he actually took a step back, and he was like, I realize, I recognize that I am not in a position where I can deal with this right now. But for example, like when we were saying goodbye to Autumn and you had to break the news to Silver, instead of just walking in and just doing it because you didn't care about Silver anymore, you were like, I don't know why I don't care about Silver anymore. Uh, Reed, you should probably be in charge of this because I don't want to, I know that I wouldn't want to upset him mm -hmm. even though I don't care at the moment, which I really, I really thought that was a really interesting way of doing it, and I like that a lot. Does anyone else have a good fallout, or...? We all immediately said meat, but... <laughs> I, I'm sure Hexai could have been fun if I fucking read it and remembered all the I effects that I loved the, the flavor text of Reed getting Hexai. It was so, like, just because of where she ended up. Like, I just... I don't know. I read, I read into things a lot. Hi, audience. I'm sure none of you knew this about me, but I read into things a lot. And I just really <laughs> like how a lot of the fallouts that Reed got... It's kind of a shame that Reed didn't get the glitch fallout, but I still like that a lot of the fallouts that Reed got kind of worked to separate her from, like, the reality and, like, oh, you mm -hmm. can see different dimensions now and stuff like that. And so there is an argument to be made for Reed, like, changing dimensions, not technically being, like, a spur-of-the-moment thing that just happened, but it being, like, a gradual process of she her, like, losing her footing in this reality Ooh. and bleeding over into the next one, which is my personal headcanon and something that I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was intentional that I <laughs> I forgot yeah, about she ended up in the pirate dimension. That I forgot about half of the effects of Hexa. It was actually intentional that ha that happened <laughs> because uh, because Reed already saw multiple dimensions and she was used to it. There you go. <laughs> period. Well, she also had like the. I also she also had like the thing the the, the goggles goggles that let her see into dimensions. So yes. it was kind yeah. of so a she thing of being knew how essentially. It so maybe yeah. she just assumed, oh, I, I I'm wearing the goggles right now. That must be. <laughs> Might be. But I, I like, like, I just really like that 
Reed and Dimensions have just always been kind of interlinked. That's just a thing that she yes, has been like dealing I with. Agree. You can see different worlds and and different. It just became like a process that started out as this control thing that she had full control over, and then it bled it over into the rest of her world, and now she can't mm-hmm. escape it. And then she got rid of it for a while, and then it just grabbed her. I just really like that. I like yeah. that as a progression. That's fun. Just one thing I want to mention. I feel like during this postmortem, we've because we've specifically mentioned things where we misread things or misremembered things or blah blah blah. It seems like it makes it sound like we just misremembered the entire game. We just like didn't remember the rules, didn't remember the mechanics, didn't remember shit. No, we're just specifically mentioning the things. Yeah. But also, well, yeah. even if we had, screw you. But like, I just yeah. But also for me, yeah, the creation of silver was a disaster and yes i yeah. should have had more time to do that i'm just very excited for the next season now that we are more familiar with the yeah. like yes. not that it, like because it just means you're more like it's gonna be easier to be comfortable with them absolutely okay. i've got a more lighthearted question that a lot of the audience might not get because a lot of this gets cut is what are our favorite running gags from sapphite oh my gosh cake recipes Cake recipes. Oh yeah, yeah, potato yeah. Cake. That was yes. fun. Potato uh, cake. Tree fried shrimp. Tree fried shrimp is great. You cannot forget tree fried shrimp. Was was tree fr- tree shrimp fry? <laughs> tree shrimp fry. Oh yeah, I loved tree fried tree tree shrimp. Tr- fuck, I loved that joke tree because it took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out why that was funny. And I was essentially for like 10 episodes I was just laughing at it because I sound, thought it sounded funny. No. And then I saw someone on another Discord server made it make a tree fried... No. Shrimp. Tree fried shrimp. Shrimp fried rice. Oh, wait, no. Fight. Fuck. Joke. Yeah. Everything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is happening right now. It's just like the easier version of that. And I was like, oh my god, that's hilarious. Is that why tree, shri- tree fried shrimp is a thing? Tree shrimp fry. Why are you all getting it wrong? Tree it's shrimp so- fry. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh my I, god. It took me, I think we were somewhere around episode 15 or 16 when I when I got it. Oh my <laughs> god. I really like How Do You Swim, but that's one of those that just like... If no one's... It's a blooper gag. It's very much a blooper gag, but I still really like it. Because it, it kept happening so much, and you can modify it. It's very easily modifiable. Like, how do you sleep? How do you... I don't know, what else did we have? Oh, God. How do you eat? Oh, my God. Pears? The pears. The pear yolks. <laughs> That's the one I wanted to get to. That was yes, it. the pears. That was definitely my favorite. This yeah. segment is just us laughing at our own jokes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this isn't really a running gag. It's just ridiculous how much we confused each other's names. We mixed yes. up each other's oh names. Oh my god. It was so And the yeah. characters' names. Yeah. Like, it is ridiculous how much we did it. We were like... Silver I... for Amber. Amber for Reed. <laughs> Reed for Silver. Also... I was gonna say, uh, in regards to names, I, this got cut, but every other or every third intro, I would just forget Silver's yeah. name. Oh my god, yeah. I was doing my intro, and it's very funny. Like, I would just say my entire introduction, and I would say Alfred Cleaver, and then I would be, 
Fuck, what's he called? Oh yeah, silver. Frost and silver <laughs> mirror. Now I have to redo the entire thing. Yeah, that's a fun <laughs> one. I don't think even I don't even think that made it into the bloopers. It was just cut, but it's mm-hmm. <laughs> very funny. My, I think one of my other favorite ones is. Just one time Joe goes, hello, like in character. And I immediately go, yeah. hello. Hello. <laughs> and then we all immediately are like, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> God. That hello bit is so funny. It's and so the fa- good. Uh, it's an- another one of the blooper gags that like got yeah. entirely cut, both of them. There was two instances of it. it. Happened I think the next one is coming up, though. I don't know if the next one is... Actually, no, I think the second one is in the second blooper reel. But Yeah, the- it's yeah. one per blooper reel, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you get one of the one <laughs> you hello. You get one hello per blooper reel. Yeah, that's how we know when we're- it's time to make a new blooper reel, yeah. is there's a hello bit. That's actually how I know when the month ends. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> there have been two okay. months since we started yeah. this podcast. I have a question that's maybe a bit dry, but I'm interested, is what do we want them, like, bring into season two? Ooh. Ooh. What kind of energy? Or Less just... depression. Okay, fair. I want to not play a character who's terrified of his surroundings, and I want to... I, I Not that playing Silver wasn't fun, but I want to have some fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. playing Silver was fun in one way, but this, mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping to bring some lighter energy to the next uh, season, and also just, I'm sure my character is going to end up being angsty and depressed and horrible uh, at some point, because I just can't help myself. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do want to try to strive for a lighter energy than what I had mm-hmm. in this season. One thing I want for the second arc is a different, very different group dynamic of people who already know each other and who who are used to each other and who already have like an established relationship and know how they are to each other and mm-hmm. stuff how like how they're going to interact and stuff and i want yeah i don't want like each person to be getting to know the other person i want them to be able to like reference things they've done together or mm-hmm. like reference each other's personality traits or something yeah. have arguments where it's like oh this is clearly not the first time they've thought about it's just, yeah, I'm rambling. I just want the next group to already know each other mm-hmm. and have a different group yeah. dynamic. For me, uh, not a witch. That's basically all I have. Because for the quick start and for the last campaign, obviously, I played a witch. And so I really do want to explore the other classes and abilities because the abilities are so fucking cool in this They're game. They're so fun. They are. One thing that I'm definitely thinking about is like, when picking beats is that uh, uh, like the minor beats are s- so much more interesting <laughs> to me like oh my god from when i when we played and like everyone was like picking a major beat and a minor beat and i felt like it just didn't flow as well as i feel like it would have been easier to do more minor beats than we ended up doing mm-hmm. and that's i guess my thing that i'm gonna take with me when i'm a player is i'm gonna pick the hell out of minor beats because hell yeah. honestly you only need like two or something major beats because yeah. like yeah. as like at least as a junk mage i only wanted like two or three major abilities mm-hmm. or something like i, I don't really care much about all of them the minor beats are 
the actual thing. I'm trying to remember, I think I only ever got my one major beat, which was yeah, mossy. You, I don't think you end up getting other things. No, yeah, because I I was considering, but also like it was like, like I said before with uh, mossy and like how mossy came about, uh, which is just that the major beats for the cleaver really didn't fit with Silver's character, and it just didn't feel like it made sense for him to do any of them. At some point, that's how I felt like Reed as well, but towards later when she mm-hmm. was more in series read mode and focused yeah. and like on a thing but also even like in the beginning of the campaign a lot of them stuff like like for a while i kept wanting to have rush into danger without like thinking about it or whatever it was and that one like very much i've i've i'd already done that like in episode two or something right Mm-hmm. And at this point, it was, was very much not something Reed would have done, but I was desperate because none of the other ones matched at all with what Reed would do. I never ended up doing the beat, I don't think, because it's just not worth it. Like, that's just not at all what Reed would do at the moment. Like, just rush into Zixer without... She specifically mm-hmm. wanted Reed to, uh, sorry, she specifically wanted Amber to do the sing-song ability and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just not, speaking of, uh, like, talking, going back to minor versus major beats, I just feel like major beats really aren't that much more difficult than minor beats a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, I also feel that, yeah. I, 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 you're supposed to, major beats are supposed to be something that you work towards over several, several sessions, mm-hmm. but I also And a just, lot of them really are not yeah. that. I guess it's more, not, not exactly, but, like, to me it feels less, this is something you work towards over several sessions, and more, like, this isn't something you do at the start of the adventure. Mm-hmm. They feel right. more like something you would do later, but not, like, that you necessarily have Yeah, you start focusing to... on minor beats, right? I don't like... know, I, 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 the way that I at least understood it from the book was that you were supposed to, like, it's because a lot of the major beats are something like, I had one that was, like, visit three uh, remission stations, and yeah. one that was, like, travel to a place in tier three and it's just like those are clearly something that you're supposed to announce that you're doing and then work towards like getting but also i had ones where it was like the thing with mossy like um i think the actual beat is something like uh, form a bond with a heart-blooded uh, beast or something like that and that's not really something that i can do over a long period of time like how am i supposed to pick I mean, a I can... heart-blood beast and be like okay i'm gonna try to bond with this thing now I guess it could, I could work, see it uh, but it thing. didn't like, work for Silver. Yeah, and a lot no, of sure. my issues with the major beats for the heart song, again, I just didn't really look at them when I made the concept for Silver. If I had I've had a better understanding of what the beats for the mm-hmm. heart song was, I might have modified his character so that he would fall more in line with that so I could actually know what I was doing. Speaking of beats of ab- and abilities, what was your favorite ability? And for Rio, what was your favorite thing you got to do as an NPC. I was just so sad that Amber, like, didn't get to use a lot of his abilities. Like, he didn't get to use Ascendancy until literally the final episode. Mm -hmm. I wish I had gotten to use it more, but then there was, like, very little reason at some point. I was like, ah, damn. And then you got your lair, and it's like, okay, it would have taken a fallout, but then we immediately went to the heart, and there was really a time for it. I was gonna say insect friends, but I'm looking at my character, like, I just, I really, I really like the bug thing with mm-hmm. Silver. That was another thing that happened by accident, and I, I love it. I think it's very, very, very good. I love bugs. I think they're very, very cute, 
and I want to befriend all of them. But <laughs> that's an equipment. <laughs> but you get that from one of your abilities. Do I? Yeah, it's from Fractured Form. It's once per day of you may use your Adoring Swarm as a piece of equipment. Okay, so that's, LD8. yeah. Yeah, okay, so I really like that. I really like the, the fr- Fractured Form insect friend thing. Uh, I also really like honorable mention to Echoes of the City Beneath. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, because the name is amazing, for one. And also just, I really liked the... Uh, actually, I didn't never actually got into this in the show, did I? That uh, major uh, ritual that I use in episode 22, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which is called The Wild Hunt. Uh, that's the first major ability that I ever picked. And that should tell you, if you actually read the flavor text, if you go back and listen to the episode, what that does, how little of Silver's character had crystallized in my mind when I was making his mm-hmm. character in the beginning of the session. Because mm-hmm. that is, you create a bond with the heart and you draw power straight from it. And yep. um, it took a grand total of two episodes for me to be like, fuck, why did I pick that? <laughs> but when it did get used, uh, I thought it was really, really cool. It's one of my highlights of the entire mm-hmm. art, getting to yes. the ritual and getting to uh, talk about that. And also, I just, I fucking love that it's called Echoes of the City Beneath. <laughs> Honestly, it's extremely hard for me to pick just one favorite ability, so I have to pick a couple. And I did get to show a lot of my abilities, which I love. And I'm just going to go, like, chronologically as I took them, my favorites. Mm. Mark of Hunger can identify sources of magic from smell and also smell valuable items. I utilize that mm-hmm. fucking ability a lot. That's so good. Mostly the sm- also smell valuable items one. The, the 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 thing that's supposed to be like the extra bonus ability to this um, uh, ability, but I utilize that a lot. <laughs> like silver, mm-hmm. silver, silver, silver teeth, Amber's riches. <laughs> yeah. Amber I eventually, this didn't get uh, come in help helpful, but eventually I did put a necklace on Mossy as like a cowbell thing. Yeah, and it was yeah. so good. It was so cute. I still haven't drawn Mossy with a necklace. I, I am ashamed. <laughs> Another one that I really like is Greed of the Red King, which was the thing that I used a lot as well. Yeah. Which is... Oh, wait, no, hold on. I think Smell Valuable Items is Greed of the Red King and not Mark of Hunger. Yeah, it is. Yes. My Mark apologies. of Hunger is Smeet. Smeet? Uh, <laughs> smell Sources of Magical Power. Yeah, okay. Because it says Smell for both Smell... Sources of magic and valuable items. I must have confused it. Apology, apologies. Smell valuable items is under Greed of the Red King, which is a role to to know what the person in front of you wants the most. And that spell, I was a little bit like scared of overusing that spell because it's (laughs) such a like, you know, know what the person in front of you wants the most. That's Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit like, oh, is this OP? But the risk is already incorporated in it, so... I ended up not using it on... Sil- did I use it on Silver? You did not use it on Silver. No. That would have been so interesting. Holy shit. I just really... I, I did end up using it on Amber, and I think that's the only other player... Which was a good idea. Yeah. That's the only player that I used it on, and I was so worried, like, when should I use this ability? Should I use it, period? Because I didn't want to just it's sort of like a thing of show don't tell of like I don't want to just know their like backstory not backstory but 
it's still a big deal, you Ooh, know. You reminded me of something. What Amber, what I said when you asked about that, and I said Amber wants to stop feeling crazy, and yeah. oh, that yeah. plays into a lot of what happened with Amber. So like. Amber bought that ring. He was like kind of obsessive over it. All of the things he does when he is dealing with the obsession of the heart, he is aware those things are incredibly antisocial and makes him look crazy. And so he's like, why the fuck is this happening to me? And so that's why it's his greatest desire because heart song has been tormenting him for so long that he's like, what the fuck is going on? And that's also part of why I was like, I don't really care what Zenith be he gets because if he fuses with the heart or whatever, he'll probably not have to worry too much about being doing compul like compulsive things. And if he breaks it, it'll be gone too. So I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm just stuck in trying to figure out like what would have actually what would have what would I have actually said if you had used that on silver? Because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not entirely sure I know. And also That's it depends on, like, when I would have used it. Yeah, because... when you would have used it, yeah. <laughs> I think probably rest would be the thing that I uh, would land on, which is depressing. That is <laughs> accurate, yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, like, I feel like uh, a lot of Silver's... I guess his his mind did get rest eternally. I was gonna say, yeah, gets a lot of rest now. It's A, a lot of Silver... Uh, is drawn from my own experience. Like, a lot of specifically Silver and the Heart is drawn from my own experience with burnout and with just feeling like I'm part of or, like, subject to forces that are way beyond my control and that I have little influence over and you just kind of have to deal. And I feel like I, a lot of the time, I fall into this kind of, like, depressed, like, uh, this really resigned state from just like this is just how it has to be i guess i'm just gonna go into survival mode and try to make sure i try to just get rid of this so i can get through it and mm -hmm. i feel like silver was just like in a perpetual state of that for like pretty much his entire life down in the heart he was just like stuck in this kind of like perpetual refusal to really accept and face his problem but being unable to really extradite himself from his problem so yeah Anyway, that was such a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. No, it was um, great. I honestly wish I had asked you. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. Another one is, a, this is an add-on minor ability to a major ability that I got, which is Curse of the Sky Court. And the minor add-on ability is called Moment Eternal, and it is, I kind of, I tried to use it once. It's a <laughs> roll. And then the area you're in, if you succeed, is like a, one hour equals four hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's essentially like making time like faster inside of the area. And I personally, as, as a as a person, the player, not the character. I mean the character as well, but the player. I love time travel and just stuff to do with time and molding mm. it and such. Mm -hmm. So I was extremely excited. I thought when I got Moment Eternal, the ability, I thought that we were going to use it when we eventually like tried to do a heist at Baldry's house with the plans. I thought that's when it was going to come in handy. Baldry would be outside. I would do the spell. We would be able to look around and get as much info as possible with like get more time that four times more time that way mm -hmm. didn't come in handy eventually i was like right after immediately after the fight i tried to give silver a little bit more 
rest. <laughs> I'm so sad that didn't work. With it, that it did work. Incredible. Like, like genuinely, that is one of the highlights of the entire latter half of the arc for me. Was just mm-hmm. Reed going like, "Okay, I'm just gonna use magic to let Silver sleep." I, I'm yeah. so sad that didn't work. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was very much a situation of like another one of like, let's just suck it up, let Silver uh-huh. sleep a little. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. I'm not gonna fucking wake up and be like, we gotta get going. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> what kind of idiot would I be to do that? But also, I don't want to lose time. It was really smart. And then True showed up. And then, then True showed up. <laughs> a lot of, I feel like a lot of Reed and Silver in those last episode was just like doing what the other person, like refusing yeah. to give up any ground. Like, fuck, I wanna do this, but I'm gonna be proving them right if I do this. So let's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was so much of that, but it was just like, I really want to tell Reed that I have another fallout that I would like to get take care of in the in the red mar- like in the in the city that we're in. Uh, but also, she she, I, she literally just yelled at me because I keep not being proactive enough. So I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna That's go. Not- <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Please do not. That is absolutely not what the case was. No, no, no. Okay, also, I explained that poorly because I, I'm sorry. I, I explained that poorly. Uh, what I meant no, to no, say. No. Huh? Oh. I understand that's how Silver thought. That's that's what Silver thought uh, Reed was thinking. And, and also, what Reed was... Silver was acting slightly out of spite. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, can, I, can I just explain what happened first? Because uh, I literally just mixed up two moments. The reason why I didn't take care of a fallout was because True showed up. Mm-hmm. So I just literally mixed up two oh, things in my okay. brain. I didn't say the right words. Uh, but also, please go on. I might, I probably end up cutting this whole part out, but... Yeah, yeah. But, like, this is gonna be Reed talking, but also this is gonna be Joe advocating for Reed, because, like, mm-hmm. it is absolutely not that Reed was like, I don't care about anything, all I care about is getting to tier 4 as soon as possible. That was not at all... Like, I don't know... Yes, Reed was being f- like, quick, uh, like, hurrying and stuff, but I really don't think that she was trying to cut corners that much. She was just trying to not lose time on things that don't matter. That's why she mm-hmm. was being like, mm-hmm. okay, let's go, let's go. Are we done? Are we done here? Okay, on. Yeah. Like, do we have anything else to do? Okay, go. Like, it really wasn't a case of, I don't care. The only time I can definitely see why you got that, and, well, I'm not trying to be like, um, actually, you, that's your, that's you and not me. I totally get like yeah this is a little bit how reed was acting just like as goran was burning and you got hurt i think that was definitely reed being in denial of like how hurt you were and being like no we can fix this like can we fix this okay well then let's fix it right now but um the more you explain like no this is too serious we can't just fix it ourselves Mm -hmm. that was definitely reed being like you're hurt? Okay, let's fix it. Let's do it right now. Let's keep, let's do it quickly, yeah. let, you know? And yeah. less her being like, I don't care, it's not important, we still need to go. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. once she realized, no, it's too serious, we can't do it ourselves, then she was like, okay, we need to go somewhere else? Okay, let's go somewhere else. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think the main, my main point isn't actually Goran. My main point is actually the conversation that we had with Amber outside of Amber's lair. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, from my perspective, uh, both as a player and as Silver, that was a very inter- a very necessary conversation to have because mm-hmm. I had 
been worried about Amber for a long time, and he had refused continually to open up to me when I tried to ask him about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like, we had the conversation outside of Frederick's room, and also even before that, when essentially Silver ended up venting to Amber, when in, in, what actually what he wanted was to ask Amber how he was doing, and it just ended up being, like, mm-hmm. not that. Uh, so from my perspective and from Silver's perspective, that was a very interesting and very necessary conversation to have so that we were on the same page. Mm-hmm. And also because Amber had just been through the very harrowing experience of wanting to show me something and then it backfiring horribly. And I assume that probably was really scary for him. And mm-hmm. then like that was actually the main point that I was thinking about when I was talking about Reed not... Mm-hmm. Cutting corners and not like thinking about, um, yeah, uh, like making no, sure that, that we got there quick instead of that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, you have a point there. Absolutely. I think the reason Reed was like that was because she was also like shit's bad. Yeah. I and also you know I've already mentioned this. She was also also like in her own head dealing with stuff because of grief. So and because she was like. We don't. I'm not trying to defend here, Reed. Here, I think yes, you were right. We, sh- you and Amber, should have talked. That was just her in a not great state talking. She was also high on meth. Well, she was also literally high. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she was also high. Yes. So, but yeah, and the, the main thing was just like she hadn't explained to any of us that she was taking meth. In yeah. which case, I probably would have been more understanding if I realized that was was what. <laughs> was going on but to me it just seemed like she had a personality change so i was just like what the fuck is going on yeah. she used to not be this way what's happening mm-hmm. uh, i think a, yeah. even like a big reason also for that is because i understand that we already like explained how she didn't remind us of the mushrooms as much as she would have wanted to but Reed was very much remembering it and realizing yeah. that while we weren't seeing, like, as players, we weren't seeing it, she was aware of it getting worse and worse rapidly. Mm-hmm. And that's why she was like, we literally can't have a second to lose. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think that conversation should have happened. I absolutely understand her point of view. I just want to, like, say, I absolutely understand being more concerned about um, the world, the end of the world than the well-being of one of her acquaintances. No, no, for, Honestly, for Reed, for Reed uh, I think that, like, afterwards, if she was in a better state, like, she had some, her mind was clearer, she would have agreed that that conversation needs to happen, but not because of friendship reasons, because, oh, what if Amber backs out, like, during the fight, and then that Mm-hmm. Yeah. costs us our deaths and then the world ending that was a that's why I'm thinking yes that conversation should okay. <laughs> I think that one of the really interesting differences between Reed and Silver and why Silver never really <laughs> was that worried about the mushrooms is because I think he's kind of his own world has been ending for so long that he kind of got a bit numb to it and so he was never really worried about the mushrooms because he was always just so focused on uh, his own struggles with the heart and like just essentially making sure that the only people that he really cared about in the world uh, were okay. That was always more going to be more important to him than the mushroom thing. A, because the fucking heart sent him on the mushroom quest and fuck the heart. Uh, mm-hmm. And B, just because 
I don't think he really had the sense of urgency because he's kind of been living in crisis mode for so long that it just kind of stopped being a thing that bothered him. Yeah, yeah. We were on another question. You were talking about your favorite abilities and then we got super sidetracked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I might end up keeping that conversation. because Yeah, because that actually rules. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to my final favorite ability, which is Frost of the Red King, as we very originally named it. <laughs> Renamed yeah. it. Originally, this ability was Fire of the Red King, and then I was like, uh, what do I name this? Because I homebrewed it to be Frost and Ice instead of Fire. And I just ended up with Frost of the Red King because I couldn't be bothered. I was like, I can't come up with anything smart or cute and pretty. I don't know. But yeah, that's we saw that in action this a lot the second I got it, which is my ice powers. And uh, you can, it's not surprising why I like them. There you go. You can kill things with them. Oh, you also brought up uh, Greed of the Red King and the smelling thing and the pendant on Mossy. And I remember just now, Amber put a pendant that he actually cared about on Mossy because you said it wasn't, it didn't need to be too valuable. So he was like, oh, so like something cheap. You meant something of value to Amber. That's really interesting. (laughs) The way we we misunderstood that is... It's really interesting. I meant valuable as in expensive, but not valuable emotionally. But what I said was valuable, but not too valuable. And then you just took it the complete opposite Mm -hmm. way. And that's really interesting. Another reason I kind of did that character moment was because I wanted to incorporate how Amber still has things he does care about from the Spire. Mm -hmm. Even though he's Mm -hmm. all the way down here now, and he's probably never leaving. That was fun. I really liked... I, I just... I really... Like, there were a lot of things that Reed did that I just really appreciated, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, like, a lot of a lot of the, the ways that she uh, approached Silver, even though they didn't really get along, was just with a lot of, like, respect and understanding, which was something that I thought was really nice. And also something that I feel like, uh, really, I kind of admire and want to, incorp- like, take with me from that character into real life. Because I always Aww. feel like you should just be respectful to people especially people that are struggling and like even just us like like i was so deep in character that those things meant a lot to me and that's kind of been demonstrated to me like how just even like really small and kind of not insignificant but like things that don't really take a lot of effort from you can still go a long 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 way to making someone Mm -hmm. else's day better that was sappy as shit anyway (laughs) i love that I love being told that I'm a good person. (laughs) You are. You're great. Listen, you're great and you're very funny and you almost killed me with being funny, but that's fine. (laughs) My god. Joe appreciation hours. (gasps) Yeah, literally slay. (laughs) That's why I said it. (laughs) Anyway, what are your favorite abilities, Dylan? Oh, I, I think my favorite was probably Lair. And I wish I had used it more often and earlier, because I would have loved to see what the fallouts that the um, yeah. layer took meant, because that sounds super- very Yeah, long. the layer was so good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Did you have plans for that fallout that uh, Dylan's layer took that didn't end up really mattering? I had ideas for what it could be, but then we moved on and I was like, okay, it's just I'm just not going to think more about it because it's not gonna come up <laughs> maybe it'll come up later if amber ever shows up again i mean by that point the layer would probably have been fixed unless it ate someone unless it ate someone in that case that person's gone yeah yeah 
I imagine he probably would have summoned the lair on the way back, and he probably passed through the um, plaza of silicate flowers on the way back, so yeah, someone could be missing from there. Anyway, so favorite thing I got to do, probably Carmina's thing, <laughs> I think was very fun. That was so good. Because I adapted a an ability from one of the classes in the game to a Fallout, basically, and I think thought, like, that was a very fun like, exercise to do in, like, how do I do a fallout that's not described in the book in a way that feels right in the game, I guess? Mm-hmm. I love that fallout. If I ever DM something, I'm gonna keep, or GM something, I'm gonna keep that. Like, I'm gonna use that, because I really like that fallout. Okay, I've got another question. What landmarks slash just things were made up, and what did you take from the book? I made up the Great Hall, and basically everything else is from the book. Nice. Including Baldry, actually. Baldry and his whole thing of yeah. having created the Goran. Yeah, that's in the book, too. Which was the so... Yeah, the Goran. Which was so interesting <laughs> when I read... When I was reading the book in preparation for season two... And I saw, I was going through the different landmarks and I saw Gorin and then I was reading through and I was like, oh my god, it's Baldry. His stuff is written. I felt like I was in a, like in a movie and then one day the character it reads a book and it's their life. And I was like, <laughs> it's about their life. And I was like, oh, my fate, my love has been fated all along. True, yeah. the will is, doesn't exist, power of will, whatever the phrase is, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely twisted what's in the book a bit to suit what I want. I cannot <laughs> wait for Gorin and Baldry to turn up in like season six or something again. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun callback. But yeah, that's that's my answer to that question. Ooh, what was everyone's favorite landmark? Machines. Yeah. Yeah. Is the f- maybe if I think about it, maybe I'll come up with something. I, I fucking no, I love it- the plaza of silicate flowers, even though we spent almost no time there. Personally, I really, really, really like Gorin. Both uh, one reason I just really like researcher cities, and I really like the Baldurys Gorin. Gorin, Gorin is Baldury. That that whole thing really like colored and made a really unique landmark in my mind. And I also ha- love how I love to hate yeah. Gorin essentially because Gorin. I am a person who, when I went to the capital city of Sweden uh, for three days with my class, I ended up getting so fucked over by the sound level there that I actually got sick, like physically fever and started like uh had to be carried onto the bus to get home jesus fucking because Christ. the sound sensitivity was taking such a toll on me that i physically started getting sick from it uh, so i i fucking hate crowded cities with a passion and i kind of love to hate goran <laughs> i think the machines of rust and Wait. Machines of dust. Machines of dust. Yeah, sorry. Rust flows Machines of dust veins. and rust flow, flows through their veins. I think they very much immediately reminded me of this movie that I really like and I used to watch a lot as a kid. And I'm still planning on making these three watch it with me. It's called Mirror Mask and there's a part in it. It's, it's essentially like this girl travels to... I'm going to make it sound very whimsical. It's not. It's more weird. <laughs> I don't know and dark than that but uh she goes into a dream world-esque place and the whole place and the whole movie basically once she travels to the dream world has this sort of blurry sort of effect to it it feels like you're in a dream the way it's being Mm -hmm. shown 
And it's not as annoying as it, I make it sound to be. It's not as unpleasant when you actually watch it. But there's a part in it where she's in the thing and she goes into, like, a mask store to find out more about a mask that she's looking for. And because it's a, it's called Mirror Mask. She's looking for the Mirror Mask. And <laughs> the lady that works there just reminded me so much of rust flows through the veins. And just the whole place, the machines as well. And yeah, I just really liked that. And I sent the scene to the team. And I that's I think just the fact that it reminded me of the movie just made me like it. I've stared so much at screenshots from that movie <laughs> to make the title art for Arc 2. Thank you. <laughs> it's a very good movie. We need to watch it, but none of us I have know, time. I know. Yeah. Also, when you mentioned Rust, I just want to say one of my favorite moments uh, when when Rio misunderstood me and thought I was leaving Mossy with Rust to like fucking attack her. Oh yeah, <laughs> which was just really really funny. Like, cause I, I I was just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna leave this heart's blood beast with this li- random woman. This random incredibly frail woman. I think I think the fact that Mossy was a heart blood beast kind of blended into the background a bit uh, but he is absolutely fucking feral yeah. In, yeah when he's not around silver i guess it is actually heart blood beasts are not a joke they're really dangerous yeah and so the fact that i just adopted one is really funny and it's the great. fact that i do you thought that i was just intending to leave him there yeah was really 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 funny like it was at that point kind of treated like like a like the party pet like a dog yeah Absolutely. And I thought it would have been a very fun way to, like, show that actually he's fucking dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Left untended. Both of you to assume that I would leave my emotional support uh, bug for even yeah. a second, though. Yeah. <laughs> Frio, favorite landmark? Well, I don't know if I have a favorite landmark. Like, you kind of suck all to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Even um, Great Hall? Wow. Yeah, no, fuck Great Hall. That's the worst one. <laughs> I love Great Hall. I do too. Like, I think it's very funny that, uh, like, the way I designed the Great Hall ended up basically being Briar but bigger, but on tier 1 instead of tier tier 3, which is, like, it's very funny to me. Like, (laughs) that was before I, like, had, like, more of a grasp on what the different tiers are like, and I was like, yeah, there's just a big forest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which... Absolutely would not be on tier one. It sh- that's should probably have been on like tier two or three, but that's fine. I mean, eh. it was still sick. I mean, it's not like the, it's not like the tiers don't shift around. Maybe it used to be on tier three, and then it just randomly moved. And maybe tier one. things like that are normally on higher tiers, but shit happens and they drop down to lower tiers. No, I think it's just a uh, weird coincidence thing. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Okay. Like I, I did write like in my notes that I'm gonna treat this at. at treat it as tier 2 even if it's on tier 1 because it's like more affected because of previous happenings that we never really got into because like I didn't want to get into the backstory of the Great Hall too much because it wasn't that relevant and also nobody really knows the backstory of it because the people that made the Great Hall are dead. Can, 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 can we get into it now in the postmortem? I want to know. Like the reason it's so big and that everything there is so big is like it was used to be like a hunting hall for a clan of giants. Oh, yes, that's uh, what I nice. thought. That's what I thought. That have long since died and their bones are dust and forgotten at this point. But they knew how to construct things really well and preserve wood. So uh, the Great Hall is still standing. And then people have like moved into it and 
like I, I, I really liked the idea of like you know how my eyes live in walls, but like it's people. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I yes. love that the jewelry box was the tavern. I, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the bank, the bank, and a bank, and that not mattering that much. What I was saying, <laughs> anyway, it was a, yeah. it was a cool detail. Yeah. So if you think like in a future arc, we go back to the Great Hole if it's ever visited. Yeah. What would it be like? I think it's like gonna be. It would definitely be less populated, and because a lot of people died. <laughs> Uh, but like in general, I think it's like it's a probably like in a phase of recovery. Uh, what was your thought process about like creating Willow and also her coming back at the end? Ooh, what were your thoughts around that? So like we talked a bit about your uh, f- your Fallout, whatever it was called. Yeah, and I had like a lot of like the initial idea was, was that you had like caused her to die, like, directly. Yeah, the, the, the original prompt was that I had fucking murdered her in a fit of rage. Yeah. And then we thought a bit more about it and realized that it makes more sense for Silver to have abandoned her. Yeah. To die, essentially. Because that was, like, he had been running away a lot, so it made sense that yeah. he ran away and that's why she died, and that's... He doesn't want to face that, and yeah. that's why he keeps running away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not, yes. that, not that's why he keeps that, but, like, it's part of it. It's also why he keeps running away, but only when it's only himself in danger. Yeah. Like, that's why he ran away only after we had gotten rid of the Heartblood Beast threat, because he's terrified of doing that to someone else and causing someone else's mm-hmm. death. But yeah, um, we, like, we worked that out together, and I, 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 like, thought about it a bit, and then I, like, gave you a suggestion, and we, like, eventually we settled on something. And then, like, at the end, because I knew you had what Senneth Beak had picked, and yeah. I felt like the most natural way to do it is to tie back to something that's already happened, because it's, like, it's so much easier to pick up on as a player, as an audience member, like, it makes, it's more engaging to have details mm-hmm. come back. I used to think, like, it. I don't really know what else I could have done to have Silver, like, accept the heart, even if, like... I didn't exactly intend for it to be as much of an accident as it was. Like, it was more like, this is where your road ends, and you know it, and you're like, but yeah. Yeah, I think if it would have ha- if it would have been a thing that would have happened later in the combat, that would have definitely, I would have definitely had it be more of a, like, a decision that was, like, intended. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, okay, well, this is the only way that I can see to resolve this, so I'm gonna accept the heart into me for the good of, like, the mission, essentially. I could feel see that have been a thing. Uh, but because it happened so quickly, and I was just like, Oh, damn, she's here already. And I uh, essentially almost by accident myself just was like, oh, I should just go to Willow, who's my friend. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is probably that thing. Okay, I'm going to go anyway, because that makes sense. Yeah. Ah, okay. That was like essentially what ended up happening yeah. with that. Also, like, I've been thinking a lot about Willow uh, in the last few weeks for some reason. And I just want to know, like, how how much of that was Willow, do you think? And how much of that was the heart? I think it was like, the first time you saw her was... Mostly her. Uh, second time was all heart. Yeah, Damn. yeah, I think so too. I yeah, for for sure. I definitely. I really like how the heart in this season manifested as this really manipulating force that just absolutely in no way shape like just identified the weaknesses of the of Reed and Silver and just went for it. Like it was just like it perfectly identified what would be the best thing to do to to like draw them deeper. 
And then, it, like, I wouldn't, this is this is a real conspiracy theory in my part, but I would not be surprised if, uh, like, the heart orchestrated this entire fucking thing to, like, make another angel or some shit like that. I feel like it did. That, 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 that is probably... Oh my God. I feel like it did. Because Amber is the one who fucking hired Silver, otherwise Silver wouldn't have been in <laughs> any of this fucking mess. You're right! Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! I will say, the heart didn't make the whole mushroom infestation happen, but it did, yeah. I, I do think it definitely set you up, like, to fix this. Yes. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yes. Where do I come in into this? Did I just, is this all my fault? Did I just put myself yes. into this? No. <laughs> I inserted myself into this situation. Well, you're the only one who actually knew about the mushrooms. You were pretty fucking necessary. I'm sure the heart wanted you too. I think the heart definitely has the energy of being like the mastermind. Uh, I mm-hmm. fucking love the conspiracy theory that it just forty chest everything so it could get <laughs> silver and amber to descend quicker. Uh, even though that's not probably actually what happened. I think that's really fun. And I definitely wouldn't be surprised if that was what had ended up happening, which I think says a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I did really just love the that the heart isn't just this... It has more weapons to it than just being like a pure cosmic horror thing that interacts with you on the cosmic horror thing of being great and unknowing and drawing you in with its allure. It's also just not afraid to weaponize your old traumas and friends just to... Because it knows that's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Or like with Amber, it's not afraid to like just have a quote-unquote conversation and just try to convince mm-hmm. him to come deeper. Or fully with facts. T- take control of your mind at some points. I mean, there were points yeah, where I and think... Yeah, just, like, throw you into a Amber trance. Amber was so, so like... obsessed that he probably couldn't think of anything other than descending deeper into the heart. Absolutely. And I think Silver had those moments too, albeit not in this arc. I think that those happened beforehand, mm-hmm. and I think that's why he was yeah. so scared I mean, I think it definitely played into a lot of you both being heart song. Like, it was a like the, yeah. that was a very strong driving force in this arc. I don't know how next arc is gonna look with mm. regards to that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like the dichotomy of having two characters who had the same calling. Yeah. Any other questions? I only have one last thing in my notes. That's not really a question. It was just like um, just to mention a, about how like I'm glad that I fell off that ice tower because I have no idea how I was going to get down from it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, how does how does Reed plan to get down from there? And then she fell and I was like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> I was literally hoping, low-key, that... Well, actually, no. I had an idea. I was like, oh, I'll just make a nice slope, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? Yeah, but I was just I was like, oh, is, what if it fails? And then that just like An ice spiral staircase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, knowing my luck, I'll just slip down uh, from it. But no, I'm just glad that happened because I basically got nothing from it. Like I was just like, I had a I had a pillow to land on. So a pillow of nice, yeah. shot, soft, deadly mushrooms. Oh, oh, oh! Speaking of the fucking last last fight. Uh, we made a mistake, but it happened now, so we can't fix it. Oh, yeah! When I took my major ability, that was supposed to have gotten rid of all of my stress in all tracks, (laughs) but... Major fallout, yeah. Yeah, major fallout, yes, not ability. But I didn't realize that at the time, because we got it by merging two minor fallouts. Uh So, there was, like, two... I think two uh, actions there that I would have failed. I'm sure I would have repeated some of them, but as the the way the the session played out, I would have failed those two actions. 
because I didn't have my four mind stress to give me mastery on my actions. But at least I'm happy to say that I would have still succeeded on the action to steal Zixer's powers because hey. that was like three succe- successes yeah. and then a one or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the ten on the fourth the fourth dice. Yeah. God, oh. what a what a final battle that was. Yeah. Was- oh, that reminds me. Was the thing with the the fucking okay that that that's just gonna be one hell of a this came out of nowhere my brain works on uh, no logic give me the deets on the love triangle between Drana oh, yeah. and Torworm Ooh. and Shatter please Rio so okay Torworm and Shatter they worked together in the Great Hall for a very very long time like both both of them were bo- like botanical researchers and they were very close. <laughs> Yeah, that's a way to put it. After they had been down there for a while, Drana escaped Spire and ended up in the Great Hall and, like, wasn't really sure where to go. And Shatter, like, they stumbled into each other and Shatter helped her, like, establish herself. And then they got, like, really close and it caused, like, this friction between Shatter and Torworm because Torworm wasn't like that big of like didn't like how much time Shatter was spending with Drana and Drana didn't really oh like Oh my god Drana <laughs> is Mrs. Steal Your Man. Yeah and Drana didn't really <laughs> like Torworm that much because he was like like these they just don't get along. Like they're yeah. incompatible yeah. personalities. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fine. Sometimes you just don't get along with someone. Like there was there was nothing really in particular that made Drana and Torworm dislike each other. Other than, like, both of them had a relationship with Shatter at some point, but, like, that wasn't really what caused anything. We just, they just don't like each other. And, yeah, eventually Shatter and Torbrim separated because, like, these, yeah. The relationships end, yeah. Yeah, that's, and then, like, Shatter was kind of, like, broken up about, about that, and Drana helped him get back on his feet, after, like, that, which that he had done, like, when she was new there, and then they ended up together. And then a bit later, uh, he got lost in the woods and was like terrified, free, like cold and starving and basically fading away. And that's mm-hmm. when like, so essentially when he was decaying, his connection to Sixer was very strong and she took over mm-hmm. his body. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that makes sense. And turned him into a mushroom person and then he started infecting everything. Also. You mentioned in the last episode, Rio, about... Okay, so essentially we took Sixer's power, but there was something left. What was that? Yes, that... What was the thing that I I killed? was going to ask about that too. That... So, the ritual... When I built it up, I had two main things. One was, like, Sixer and Shatter. Like, that was one of the main things. The other was a heart seed that had been corrupted... And was, so basically what heart seeds are is that sometimes the heart, like, decides to make, do experiments to see what happens. So it, ah. basically it was a small child of the heart that was, re- so basically it was a rebelling teenager, uh, fighting its parent. Oh my that god. so cute. Uh, and I fucking killed, and killed it. killed it? I, I one-shot it. Well, in. the heart was gonna kill it too. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, the but heart, the heart made me kill it. The heart realized that this wasn't really, like, the experiment had been, like, so tainted by Sixer that it was basically, its own thing at this point mm-hmm. and it was trying so hard to fight the heart to like get a hold and do its own thing and then it, it just didn't and like there's heart seats manifest in a tons of different ways depending on uh, their domains and this one was a warren domain which is why the spores weren't wild they were warren, warren. because they were yeah. all from the heart seed 
Oh, no. holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Is the hard seed stuff, is that from the book? Yeah, it's from the book. I haven't read a talk. I, like, I, I skimmed through it a bit and was, and like, cut portions out and I was like, this sounds right, this sounds right, I'm gonna t- steal this and smash something <laughs> together. Okay, so how did the heart seed fit into this? Did it come in at the end with the altar? So basically, the reason that Shatter and Six were going deeper, they wanted to find a fresh heart seed and, you know, claim it for themselves before it's got a shat, like, before, like, it, the heart, like, had any, like, real control over it. And like mm-hmm. basically just claim it for themselves, and to, so, they, so to use it like basically as an engine, and then they did, <laughs> the, like the altar was built by Sixer, and then the heart seed was like protected and hidden within within in case like Sixer knew that someone was gonna try and stop her because right because so duh. she tried to make it seem like everything was the mushrooms that she had made, and not like oh, that the engine was also powering this and. But then you kill, then you destroy the seed. So everything started falling apart. That's good, I guess. One last question. Did Zixer take Shatter's corpse willingly, essentially? Uh, Shatter didn't have much say. He didn't, I don't think Shatter wanted any of this. Okay. I didn't think so, but it could have been a situation where he was like praying to any god who would listen in. In my, in my first draft, Shatter was just a priest to this mushroom god who had didn't even wasn't even connected to the great hall it was just like a random villain and then i was like i thought it would be more fun to make him once have been a researcher and then like it's developed a lot from there who shatter was mm-hmm. hell yeah well i think that's all we or anyone wanted to talk about uh, yeah, I think that's about yeah. It. I can't remember anything if i do i'll probably talk about it on the discord at some point yeah randomly. that's that's the real yeah. uh, post-mortem is asking us questions on the discord and <laughs> we yeah. actually did have a mini post-mortem me and joe after we had finished listening to yeah. the last episode very we were just like post-mortem. we're not allowed to talk about this yet but because you like... guys can yeah anyway <laughs> at a yeah. certain point yeah so yeah. come to the discord for bonus content is what we're saying yeah it's a great yeah. time yeah. Well, anyway, thank you for listening to this very long episode, probably. Uh, we recorded basically as long as I guessed we would record for approximately five hours. Jesus if you're listening Christ. to the uncut version or the cut version, thank you so much either way. If you're listening to this, you probably listened to a bit or a lot of Zapperfight. And again, for like the millionth time. We love you. Thank Okay, well, that's strong. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So much. All the I am in love with you romantically. Uh, <laughs> oh God. This is the reverse uh, fuck. What's it called? Reverse fuck. <laughs> no, what's it called? Uh, I don't know. Parasocial relationship. It's a reverse parasocial oh, relationship. <laughs> it's yeah. one-sided, but it's only me. <laughs> The audience hates us. It's just Dylan. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if you would like to support us, as always, you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at EchoZOTU. You can also go give us a review on Apple Podcasts or other things where you can leave a review, but preferably Apple Podcasts because it's it makes it it reaches people more. I guess in promotion. Anyway, you can also go check out our Patreon, which is really cool. You can get a bunch of cool 
uh, rewards, including access to our Discord, as we talked about plenty about. Or you can ac- get access to all the notes, the the notes from Saprophyte that will finally, the GM notes, I mean, that will finally be posting. Or all oh, yeah. the notes that we've been posting as Saprophyte came out from the players, some of the players. Um, and then... That was sounded so passive. Sorry, <laughs> it was very slightly passive aggressive, so, but I know you didn't mean yeah. it at all. So, <laughs> you uh, there's also just two blooper reels already out, and I don't know a bunch of other stuff. It's very cool. It's fun. It's a good time. Check us the out. The uncut version of this episode will be there again. Uh, yeah, just to remind you all. you are listening to the one that's available. I keep in mind what I'm going to cut as I record, so it's, I don't, I can't guarantee that it's going to be like two extra hours of content. It's probably going to end up being like half an hour of extra content, but it, you know, it'll be some. You know? Yeah. If we'll it's see. not, then I'll cut yeah. this part out and you will never know, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you again so much for listening and supporting. Thank you. Thank you. This project ended up, even if we never actually get to do a season two, I can rest s- s- safely. What's the word? It's rest proud? I don't know. And knowing that I did this. I don't fucking know. So, there you go. Bye. 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 We did this. Not, not I did this. I said I did this. I meant we. D- Bye. <laughs>